You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Oz Network as we continue on with week three of DC Month. We have moved into the third movie of the DC Extended Universe, the DCEU to be precise, as we get very close to Justice League. The movie we're looking at this week is Suicide Squad, released in 2016. Uh, another one of these DC movies that had a lot of people talking whether or not this was good or not. Probably a little bit different to Batman v Superman in the fact that generally this is considered pretty rubbish, whereas Batman v Superman, I think, got a bit of the uh, 50-50 spread from the critics and the fans. But we'll talk a little bit more about this as we continue on in this episode. Very exciting to be here. And as always, I should really start off by saying that my name is Ben, and I'm not somebody who is loved. I'm a state of mind. And my name is Colin, and I brought you that cookie. That was a real cookie. <laughs> Wasn't a very good one. Just wanted to let you know. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I, I'm excited to be here. I, um, I, I I like this movie. I don't care. The haters can hate. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it seems to be a, re- a recurring theme on this DC <laughs> month. Uh, that it's like, oh, fuck the haters. We like these movies. Um, so much around this. I mean, after the, I guess... I don't want to say failure of Batman v Superman because it definitely wasn't a commercial failure, uh, but in some people's eyes, a failure. Everyone was looking towards this to reinvigorate the DCEU, and many people think it probably didn't even remotely come close to that. But um, look, it's it's a movie that is, I'm not going to say it's not without its flaws. It's definitely got some issues. Uh, there are definitely some things in it that I can see why people complain about, but this movie's fun. I mean, this is just fun. It's got such a great cast. It's great music it's got great action scenes it's funny it's it's well edited it's it's bright i love the graphics i just like oh just the way, the way this is put together i just really really enjoy and it's kind of it's interesting that people complain that the dceu is so dark and you know marvel's light and fluffy and with you know serious elements to it i mean this shows that you can have a fun movie in the dceu and we pointed out the fun bits in man of steel and batman v superman as well so I just, I, I enjoy this movie. I really do. I've, I, my, I can basically go over my background of it straight away and say that I only watched it recently on a plane trip from, uh, Seattle to, uh, sorry, Vancouver to Anchorage. And then I just watched it again yesterday. So I've seen it twice. Uh, I didn't see this one at the movies. I think as I mentioned at the end of Batman v Superman, I maybe kind of did avoid it slightly because of what people were saying about it, but I wish I hadn't of because I enjoy this movie and I've repeated myself, but I'm going to say it again. I enjoy this movie. I enjoyed this movie, too. End of episode. <laughs> Yay! So, bye, bye. Thanks for listening to the Oz Network. Yeah. We'll be back next week for Wonder Woman. <laughs> uh, I mean, this is an interesting one because I can see some of the complaints people have about it, but not to the extent where people are like, this is the most disappointing superhero movie ever made. I mean, for one, it's not a superhero movie. It's a supervillain movie. It's more than anything. It's a you know military combat special forces terrorism movie with super villain characters in it but whatever it's it almost was the same thing as batman versus superman it was just a victim of its own expectations and i feel like this movie got a lot of people excited you know dc was doing something that marvel had never done before i mean you can make the argument guardians of the galaxy was a similar concept that it was this team of should be villains but this is different i mean this is a very original comic book that dc had suicide squad 
taking villains and then forcing them, the government forcing them to just complete these assignments. It, it was a great comic, and I think I knew, I mentioned this in the last episode, exactly what this movie was going to look like because I was a big fan of David Ayer, the director, and I was a fan of the comic, and I saw how those two things went together. Maybe people had different expectations of this movie. I think there were definitely some false expectations when it came to the Joker's involvement, which, again, only comes from you're expecting more from the Joker, not that the movie promoted it as anything it wasn't. I think the only mistake they made was maybe not making Joker more of a villain. But I'm going to have a lot of arguments about people saying the Joker is even wasted in this movie. Um, it's it's just a fun movie. I remember watching this opening day and thinking the same thing. It was fun, and I don't think it was ever going to be anything big and deep and meaningful. It was just going to be like a one-off entertainment. More than anything, the movie was an excuse to introduce what the world would do without Superman, which is going to be important when we get to Justice League. But it's just something different, and if you treat this as just fun entertainment, that's what it is. There are some moments that maybe drag a little bit, but I think this is going to be a lot of poking holes in people's criticism, similar to what we did in Dawn of Justice. And yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. I mean, I'm, I'm maybe slightly in that category of does the Joker need to be in this movie? But I also think on a second viewing, it kind of changed me slightly. But And again, I'm not going to be, I think, on the the hate wagon of, oh, Jared Leto was terrible as a Joker. I mean, I think he does a much better job as a Joker than people give him credit for. Uh, and I also am much more on his side than I was with Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor, but we'll get to that when we get to those. But um, And I think kind of what I'm going to point out is bits that I'm like maybe necessarily fall into bits of where I can see what people are complaining about. It's it's ma- mainly some of, I guess, the plot holes in this film, which, again, as we mm-hmm. do, we're going to poke out. And we did it on Batman v Superman, too, for a movie that we loved. We were like, well, hang on a minute, this doesn't make sense. And there are bits in this movie where you're literally going, what? Like, <laughs> so, you know, there are bits and pieces there. But, I mean, again, we've done that. I mean, we fucking did face-off, people. I mean, come on. Like, yeah. <laughs> Throw your logic at the door for that. But, I mean, one thing I want to say, like, I know we generally talk about this at the end of it when we get to sort of box office and reception, but just looking at the top 10 highest grossing films of 2016, you've got to look at the fact that this was worldwide the 10th highest grossing film. Batman v Superman was the 7th highest. So for everybody who thinks that these were absolute bombs and that, you know, they were shit and that they completely destroyed the DCEU, can I just point out that there was only one Marvel movie in that top 10 last year? Okay, fair enough, it was number one. But, like, still, uh, that was Captain America Civil War uh, worldwide. Uh, I mean, Deadpool, technically Marvel, but it's not in the Marvel Extended Universe. Not made by Marvel, yeah. Uh, So, I mean, if you look at the top ten grossing films of last year worldwide, and to have two DC films in there, only one Marvel, uh, you know, and this is generally all the Marvel fanboys and the DC haters. So, I don't know. I just feel like that needs to be pointed out, that people often overlook the fact that these were successful movies, Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman. Yeah, and, you know, what was the final box office of the lower grossing of those two, Suicide Squad? $745 million worldwide. Worldwide? Okay. So, Ant-Man made how much (laughs) the previous year? Not even in the top ten that I'm looking at there, so, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I would argue, if you go back even a year prior to that, I mean, Captain America the Winter Soldier, which is considered, like, the, the superhero movie of the Marvel Universe, that's, like, their version of The Dark Knight, that made less than Suicide Squad. I mean, and you can't make that much money if people absolutely hate the movie. You can't do that type of business without repeat business, and that's the thing that everybody likes to ignore. And uh, yeah. I'm not going to ever tell anybody your opinion's wrong if you don't like <laughs> it, but 
you can't simply say, oh, this movie bombed and nobody liked it. And the thing that I'll quickly add on that too is the fact that, I mean, we'll get to Wonder Woman obviously next week and, you know, a different reception generally for that one in terms of critically and box office wise obviously broke a lot of records. But if you, if you look in terms of where that is overall right now, I mean, that's 821 million. So still Batman v Superman did more money than Wonder Woman and everybody thinks that's the most successful out of all of these. So, uh, anyway, yeah. that's another, that's for next week. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of just, Going into this, I said this last week as well. I mean, you would feel that out of the four DCEU ones you've had, this is maybe the least connected in a way. But having said that, I actually, I think when I said that last week, forgot the amount of connections that are in this movie still when it comes to, um, you know, the, the DCEU. Obviously, it kind of starts off with the whole, you know, Superman references. We've got the Batman references and then the Batman mm-hmm. bit at the end. So, I mean, there is still a big connection, but I, I kind of... I'm wondering, going into Justice League, will we get any sort of references to any of this going into Justice League? Which I don't know if that's ever been touched on or we know about that. But I kind of feel like this is the one movie that you can kind of watch out of order. And you can kind of just watch this one. Not You can't do that with the other four because I guess they're not as heavy on everything as what I've seen with the Marvel films. But I don't know if you really kind of feel that way with Suicide Squad. That's the least connected out of the four that we've had so far. Uh, I mean, yes, in terms that we're not going to see a lot of these characters popping up in Justice League, and it is sort of its own thing. But I think it's the most connected to uh, at least the world that this is in. Because, like I said at the beginning, Batman versus Superman was about, well, Man of Steel was about an alien comes to Earth, or aliens come to Earth. Batman versus Superman was how does that world respond? This is how does the world respond and it's told from their point of view whereas batman versus superman it was the superhero's point of view but you see the humans in the background this is the humans in the forefront and i think by the time we get to justice league this movie will have been important because you have to understand that the humans now are scared and they're nervous just as they were with superman you know some of them were well can he be trusted now it's like well we know he could be trusted but what about the next one so I feel like it's an important movie regardless of whether the connection is still there in Justice League. And I don't think you can make Justice League the need for these heroes as a group unless you had done something to show what the government would have done with the ones they had under their control. And we'll get to at the end of this, obviously, when it comes to what this is leading to. I mean, this isn't sort of just going to be done and forgotten about as a lot of people probably Mm -hmm. want. I mean, there is a sequel in the works, you know, uh, there, there's going to be spin-offs, you know, sirens, uh, happening. There's going to be a Joker film, um, you know, plenty of things that are, that are going to come out of this, obviously, that we will touch on. Um, and it, of course, is an Academy Award winning film. Uh, so we, you know, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that at the end. But, uh, I mean, just sort of some of the basics, obviously, directed, as you said, by David, is it Aya? Am I saying that correctly? Aya? Ayer. Ayer. Yeah. Uh, now, I am looking through here. Uh, he did, uh, don't tell me. I'm looking at it right in front of me here. Um, what am I looking at here? End of Watch, Street Kings, Harsh Times, Sabotage, mm-hmm. Fury. Um, a film called Bright that came out this year. I, I thought he did Training Day. That's coming Day. out. That's a Netflix one. Right. I thought he did Training Day, but he wrote it and produced it. Yeah. Um, and well, he wrote that's... The Fast and the Furious. Oh, good for him. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that's that's the thing is if you look at David Ayer, it was interesting because I remember when Training Day came out, you know, there was so much buzz about it. And I wasn't actually that big of a fan of Training Day. But uh, some of the other movies he made after that, particularly one called Dark Blue that had Kurt Russell in it, he sort of established himself as this guy who understood like gritty police crime drama. SWAT. And that's what he specialized in. SWAT, another one. 
Harsh Times was his directorial debut, which was, you know, Christian Bale, the first movie he made after he became Batman. And it's such a great movie. It's such an underrated movie. Like, people should go out and watch Harsh Times. If you're looking for anything that's just, you know, not your typical cop crime drama, Harsh Times is a perfect example. Street Kings, another one, which I think is such an underrated movie. And to watch, oh, it's amazing. Like, Jake Gyllenhaal is in that one probably one of the best police movies i've seen in a long time and definitely was robbed of some oscar nominations even the one he made with schwarzenegger sabotage like it's a fun movie and that's where you see a lot of the suicide squad influence coming where he's like i'm not just going to do these gritty cop dramas i'm going to kind of make it fun and really flashy and give it kind of a punk feel to it and uh he actually was in the military because according to his wikipedia page he was in the united states of america's united states navy uh for two years uh, so, well, I mean, it's better than none at all. So, I mean, we thank you for your service, David, even though <laughs> Colin and I are not American, so we don't... Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for serving America on behalf of America. Um, but, uh, yeah, and obviously uh, he wrote this film too, we should mention. Um, and obviously the, the main stars in this one, Will Smith, Jared... Is it Leto? Leto? Is it like, is that potato, potato? Does not matter? Yeah. <laughs> I, I always thought it was Le- Leto, but yeah. Leto, whatever. Jared Leto, whatever. The JL. JL. Uh, my, my old boss at one of my old jobs used to be called JL. Um, my fellow countrywoman and esteemed Margot Robbie. I've got a lot to talk about Margot Robbie in this film. Um, Joel Kinnaman, Viola Davis, of course. <laughs> esteemed countryman, uh, Jai Courtney. <laughs> 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 Never thought I'd be proud to mention that in a sentence. Uh, <laughs> Hernandez. Um, I'm not going to say the actor's name. All I'm going to say is Mr. Echo from Lost. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I can't not say Adewala Ikanua Agabaja. Um, Ike Barinholt, Scott Eastwood, and Cara Delevingne. Oh. Let's talk about her as well. <laughs> and obviously released in 2016, August the 1st, uh, the premiere date in August 5th, USA. Um, now, I just briefly, you mentioned a thing about the, the comics. Again, I was not familiar with this comic, given my vast knowledge of comics. Um, I mean, was this like a, a an ongoing series? Or was this a popular sort of ongoing series in the in the DC world? Or is this just kind of like a one of these one-off ones that they kind of just brought all these people together? I mean, Suicide Squad, going back like long before I ever knew of it, it was an old property, I guess, they had from the 50s that was just what you would expect by a comic called Suicide Squad. It was like, you know, maybe a military comic, and it was just characters that, you know, were on these dangerous missions. And in the 80s, they gave a writer the opportunity to reboot anything he wanted, and he looked at Suicide Squad, but he said, I want to put a spin on it where it's villains, and this way we could take some of our more popular villains give them a bit of their own series. And it's kind of been ongoing on and off since the 80s. Um, more recently, I think, you know, probably within the last 10 years or so, is where you see a lot of similarities to the one that's in this movie, particularly with the characters, which I think Deadshot has been around for at least 10 years in the Suicide Squad. Uh, it was 2011 when DC kind of rebooted their entire comic universe, where they said, let's throw Harley Quinn in there. And that's really when I started reading it. So... Uh, Rick Flagg's probably the one consistent that's been in all of this, but it's it's an interesting comic because you can change the lineup all the time. I mean, Captain Boomerang was in it a few years ago. You know, there, there's tons of characters that are in it now that probably won't be in it a year from now. Which I mean, this goes on. I know we've talked a lot about uh, on some of the episodes before about how 
you know, when it comes to villains in, in superhero movies and comics that, you know, nobody does it better than DC. Uh, and, you know, particularly Batman, obviously. I mean, the fact that we've essentially got an entire movie about, I mean, these are mainly Batman villains, if I'm not mistaken. So, and these aren't even, you still got to put in the fact here that who's the most iconic out of all, taking the Joker out of his cameo in this one, you would say Harley Quinn would probably be arguably the most recognisable for non-super fans out there, I would assume. And then even then, yeah. you throw in the Joker, and then even then, you're not even looking at your main villains that you've got in the Batman universe, the Riddler, Penguin, Catwoman, you know, <laughs> Scarecrow, these ones that everybody knows, Bane, Poison Ivy, like, these are just ones that everybody knows, and it's kind of like, yeah, Superman, we can throw in Lex Luthor, you know, Deadshot, uh, not Deadshot, uh, Doomsday, what am I saying, Deadshot, um, <laughs> you know, Steppenwolf, all these ones that are kind of known, and it's sort of like... We we went through this, I think, in our Spider-Man ones, and it's kind of like, well, who who's the anti-villain, like, the villain of Iron Man? Who's the villain of the Hulk? Like, mm-hmm. you just you wouldn't be able to ask your standard fan on the street who they are. Which, again, yeah. uh, say what you will about DC versus Marvel, but I think nobody does villains better than DC. Yeah, and there was a very controversial article that David Ayer was in before this movie came out where uh, he was extremely critical of Marvel's villains, and... People criticize him for that. You know, he's just, oh, you're just trying to go to war with Marvel and stuff like that. Well, for one thing, I mean, you should be defending the property that you're representing. Mm-hmm. And if your franchise is built on the villains, why wouldn't you be bragging on that? I mean, can you imagine if when the Avengers came out, Joss Whedon was out there saying, yeah, you know, the Avengers are good, but uh, Justice League's way, way better. And yeah. he's probably going to be saying that now that he's involved with Justice League. But <laughs> the point is, nobody's expecting Joss Whedon back in 2012 to not be like the Avengers blow away the Justice League. And you got to also think about the fact, too, with the way movies are done. And we talked a lot about this in the Spider-Man uh, coverage, is that, you know, back sort of even 15 years ago when sort of Spider-Man first came out and generally with the first Sam Raimi trilogy, it's like you were you were basically marketing a lot of your movies around who the villain is. Like, you know Spider-Man's going to be in it, great. But who's he going to be fighting in this movie? Oh, cool, it's Doc Ock. Oh, okay, it's the Sandman. Awesome. Whereas, like... I never see any promotional ties around Marvel universes about who's there fighting. Like, I mean, again, I've seen like two, three <laughs> of them. Like, oh, cool. We've got Thor yeah. Rangan knock and lock a lock a lock, whatever it's called, coming out. I mean, is Rangok the, the villain? I don't know. Like, you tell I mean, me. That's just, just funny. <laughs> Kate Blanchett's the villain, so a lot of Australians. But um, the, the thing is, is that even the biggest Marvel supporters are very critical of the fact that Marvel just have the disposable villains in their movies, and particularly the villains are never really anything other than just a carbon copy of the hero. And I think there's the odd ones they've had, like Loki, that have really lived up to that. But that's one of the reasons the Suicide Squad works is because you have so many great characters here, and say whatever you want about you know the, the movie itself or uh, people had different expectations, but even some of these minor characters in the background, I would love to see them. Like if you did a Batman movie and you made Killer Croc the villain, it works with yeah. this portrayal from, you know, Echo. Uh, if you <laughs> did uh, a Batman movie and you threw Katana in there as an ally, I want to watch that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I completely agree. Uh, and that's where maybe this doesn't get as much credit as it does. And I don't think we're going to be getting the Marvel version of Suicide Squad anytime soon, are we? I mean, <laughs> it's kind of... <laughs> and I mean, this is the thing too. Do we have any good guys in this movie? <laughs> like, this is literally a movie. There's no good guys in it. Yeah, and that's one of the things I wanted to mention because the biggest complaints I heard when this came out was, no, there's no characters you can really root for. Well, it's a movie about (laughs) villains being forced by an evil government 
you know, to, to do their bidding. What did you expect out of this? And the closest thing we get, I mean, you could say because she's the government character that Amanda Waller is supposed to be the good guy, but she's not. I mean, she's definitely when she not. walks in, <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the eeriest moments of the movie is where she walks in on Harley Quinn the first time and she looks up and she's like, are you the devil? And she's just being dead serious because that's what Amanda Waller is in these. I mean, Rick Flagg might be your closest thing to a hero in this. And even then, he's not the type of character you want to root for. If, if that's something that rubbed people the wrong way, then, I mean, that's fair enough. But what did you go into this movie expecting? Now, just a note on, on Rick Flagg, Joel Kinnaman. I, I think you mentioned to me that you haven't seen House of Cards past, what, season three, season four, did you say? Yeah, I've only seen the end of season three. So, so you wouldn't actually be familiar with Joel Kinnaman in House of Cards. He uh, basically, this is kind of, it's weird when I watched Suicide Squad, I hadn't watched, I think, season five, the newest one of House of Cards. And then I kind of caught up just after I saw Suicide Squad. And I kind of saw Rick Flair, I'm like, he's kind of familiar. And he was sort of introduced during season four of House of Cards. He basically is Frank Underwood's presidential rival in the election. So, um, just when you get up to that cave, he's really good. And he's actually Swedish. So, like, he's actually very esteemed in oh, Sweden. My family. <laughs> yeah, I'm half of my family, too. So, there you go. We're probably yeah. related, Colin. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's actually a really good actor. And I, th- I definitely feel he's going to be, a, he's going to become an even bigger star in many years to come. Just because, you know, you look through his credits, how popular, obviously, and big he's been in Sweden. He's in a series called Johan Falk. Falk? Uh, sorry to our Swedish <laughs> Falk? listeners. What? Falk? What? <laughs> Probably Falk, not Falk. Um, he plays Frank Wagner in that, obviously. It's a big film franchise in Sweden. Um, but, uh, yeah, sort of, um, he's now branching out into uh, the American market. So, um, yeah, he's he's been in House of Cards. He was in The Killing um, as well. Uh, and he's about to be in another TV series. I just wanted to mention him quickly before I forgot because um, sort of out of all the stars that we're going to be talking about in this film, I feel he might be the most forgotten. Because, I mean, look, Rick Flag, yeah. You know, he's okay. Hi. <laughs> you know, that's what's funny because coming out of this, you know, Jamie asked me, which characters did you like the best? And I said, I love Deadshot. I thought Harley Quinn was great. I loved Rick Flagg. And she's like, ah, he was okay. But it took multiple viewings for her to really get Rick Flagg. And I feel like this is a movie where it benefits from being able to see it more than once. Mm. But I've always loved, you know, Rick Flagg in this. In fact, I knew nothing about Joel Kinman going into this. The most famous, I, I guess, dropout of this movie was that Tom Hardy was cast as Rick Flagg. Mm. And he was in there for a long time. And Joel Kinman was a last-minute replacement because Hardy couldn't clear his contract. And to- Tom Hardy has you know, been on board as saying he was dying to play this role. It's it's almost unfortunate if you watch this movie and you know that. And I think that's probably what it was with Jamie and a lot of other people that they figured, well, this could have been Tom Hardy. But, I mean, he gives such an interesting portrayal of the character. He's one of my favorite things in the movie. Every time I hear Rick Flagg, I just think of, uh, I'm Rick James, bitch! Like, I just I don't know why I just think of that. <laughs> it's not even the same name, but anyway. Uh, one thing also before we get into this, uh, I wanted to point out, I love how, like, the US has Captain America. I've learnt recently that apparently there's a Canadian superhero called Captain Canuck. Like, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love how we have Captain Boomerang as Australia's. Yeah. <laughs> Like, have you seen Captain Boomerang, what he actually looked like in the early comics? I have not. Is he, let me guess, a kangaroo or something like that? Um, no, it's, it's, it's nothing to be proud of, that's all I'll say. I'm, I'm looking at it on Wikipedia, he looks like some sort of homeless man with a beanie on. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, okay. Uh, I mean, look, we'll, we'll just stick to saying Wolverine is actually Australian. Uh, we'll, we'll take him as our... Uh, our superhero. Except he's actually 
Shut up. Hugh Jackman isn't. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, let's get into this movie. Um, I love, I just, I love the start, how it's kind of, I just love the colours that they use in sort of the advertising and the posters and kind of those neon sort of bright colours that go all flashy. Even here in the beginning when they've got sort of the, the logos, like the Warner Brothers logo, the DC logo. I just, I just love how that all comes across and just the trailers are, are epic for this one. I mean, I based a lot of, uh, the Brink Unleashed stuff that I did, uh, the most recent ones on the, the trailers for these movies just because they're so good. And oh my God, Captain, Amer- uh, Captain Boomerang, what the hell is that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is it? He's like in a blue dress with white boomerangs on it. He looks like a flight attendant. <laughs> the little hat on. Yeah, that's. That's what uh, DC thought of Australians back in the day. <laughs> Take my fandom elsewhere here, DC. You're <laughs> starting to screw with my head. Um, but we we get straight into this uh, facility in Louisiana, this black site, um, and we kind of we, we meet Deadshot Will Smith. He's getting loaf. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> love that. It's called loaf. <laughs> what did you say? Cascetti. <laughs> <laughs> But it, was he say like toenails in it or something like? Yeah. <laughs> um, I yeah, I love it. I love it when he says like, what does he say like, you ain't got no friends or whatever. And he's like, oh, one of these days I get out of here. You know, I'm gonna have rain hold down on you or something like that sort of stuff. Um, so you just threatened a staff member. Uh, <laughs> I love this guard who's just like he's, he's awesome. Yeah, he's just so like up himself and cocky. But as soon as like he's in trouble, he's a little weed. <laughs> like, oh. One of my honestly, one of my favorite characters this whole movie. What's his name? Do we know his name? Guard? In the movie, yeah. Uh, Gar- yeah, uh, Griggs. That's right. Griggs. Griggs. Okay, I love Griggs. Yeah, I'm with you there. Team Griggs. <laughs> Hashtag Team Griggs. He's our random uh, like of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> We've already found him straight away. Um, I like the editing here too. When he's like getting bashed up, and it's kind of we hear the thumps going on with the editing. I just, just the music. Look, we can pull pull out every single song here, which we probably will reference them at certain points because they're definitely moments where you've got to mention the song. But like we start obviously with the House of Rising Sun, then we get you don't know, uh, you don't own me when we meet Harley Quinn, and um, wow, uh, (laughs) she is just yeah. She's hanging from the, 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 the cage. She's licking the pole. She gets electrocuted. I'm bored. Come play with me. <laughs> um, we're going to get this cool little flashback sort of uh, sequence going on when she's getting tortured, which is very confronting. Like, I mean, these guys are like super villains, and they're obviously clearly not being treated right. So, well, I mean, they're super villains. But, um, <laughs> I mean, just before we, we get in here to to Viola Davis, you know, we meet Amanda. Just, I mean, just this the way this opens, I love how, just again, the editing, the music, the, the brightness of the colours in those titles. And just, I mean, I feel like we can briefly talk about Will Smith and Margot Robbie now, just while we've got them. We, they're the two main ones, you'd probably say, uh, maybe with Viola Davis and Jared Leto here that we can talk about. But, I mean, I I think you sort of alluded to Will Smith getting a bit of hate for this film. I don't get it. Like, I mean, what was his other option in 2016? Independence Day 2? He gladly, yeah. I think, missed that. <laughs> I mean, maybe Independence Day 2 might have been a better film if he had done it. Who knows? But I think mm-hmm. he took the right choice here. And people seem to rip shit into him for taking either of them. I love Will Smith. I mentioned this at the last episode. I don't know if... I don't know why anybody would dislike Will Smith. This guy is likeable in every movie he is in. He's an amazing actor. He's one of these ones that should have won an Academy Award by now. But that's another story. But he's just got charisma about wow. him. He's just got something about him. He's like... 
oh, I just love this man to bits. And I love him in this movie. I don't get why people think he's bad or he destroys this movie or anything along those lines. I mean, the character of Deadshot's amazing. Um, again, my first real introduction to this character of Deadshot. So, um, I mean, I, we'll get to his daughter in this film, but that's just probably my dislike of little children actors who can't act. But, um, Margot Robbie as well. Like, oh my God, like as an Australian, I think I mentioned this before, like you generally either come from neighbors or home and away. Uh, she went the neighbors route and I, I was a home and away fan. I was never a neighbors fan, but when I was with Louise, she watched neighbors. So I would watch neighbors generally when she did too. And I used to always think she was like, oh yeah, she's pretty decent. And I was like, oh yeah, she's quite hot. And then she kind of left and it was like, okay, cool. And then all of a sudden she's like becoming a big star. It was kind of similar to what happened with Chris Hemsworth. It was like, whoa. How did that happen? Like, yeah. the difference is, Margot Robbie could act when I used to watch her in Neighbours. Chris Hemsworth couldn't. Um, so, <laughs> um, just, I mean, I never saw The Wolf of Wall Street. So, I mean, to me, this was pretty much the first thing I ever saw her in outside of Neighbours. I'd heard all the hype around her, you know, people would say, oh, this movie's terrible, but Margot Robbie's amazing. And, oh, my God, like, this is definitely one of these fan wagons ones where everybody's right. I mean, I don't think there's a bad thing you can say about Margot Robbie. She is just... An amazing actress. She's beautiful. The character of Harley Quinn is just amazing. And she's just like, oh, holy crap. Just so much good to say about her. The only bad thing you could say about her is that her Brooklyn accent comes in and out every now and then. But, I mean, (laughs) who gives a shit when you look like that? You're that fun as a character. So, yeah, nothing but high praise for both of these people. Well, with Will Smith, it's interesting because... You're right. I mean, people love Will Smith no matter what he's in. And I think part of it is uh, I'm not going to sit here and get into another debate on, you know, you know, casting a black actor to play a white character. We've heard enough of that. But I don't know if that played a part is that people were so tied to the look of Deadshot. But the important thing is, like, Deadshot's not who he is with the mask off. People know who Deadshot is with the mask on. The other thing is that I think Will Smith is playing this. He has to be the sympathetic character. You know, we talk about if any of these characters are actually heroes in here. Rick Flagg would be the decent character, but your hero character is Deadshot in this. He's the one that they make sympathetic and likable. And maybe that's a little bit different from Deadshot in the comics. You know, the stuff with his kids. I mean, Deadshot had kids in the comics, but it wasn't something like he had a close relationship. And this was, this is why I kill people to support my daughter. (laughs) It it didn't really go that far. So maybe it was the uh, portrayal of Deadshot that people were not as for. But I loved him in this movie, and I think it's one of the best performances Will Smith's given in years. You said you know, he probably should have won an Oscar by now. I, I don't know about that. I think there's a few movies where, like, Ali, he was great in that. Pursuit of Happiness? Uh, Come on. Uh, yeah, I never saw Pursuit of Happiness. <laughs> See it. It's a good movie. Made me cry. But, but I will say, you know, I think he has a tendency to maybe play Will Smith a lot of the time in his movies, which I'm fine with because I love Will Smith. And maybe he brings a little bit more Will Smith to this role than he brought Deadshot. But it works. And you do like him as a a character. And there's this evilness about him that's really subtle. And I love the way that he he has these moments where you you know he's the one that you're supposed to be. He's kind of the, the, the leader, the nice guy, the one the audience is supposed to get behind. And then he has these lines like, every time I put this on, somebody dies. It's like, I like putting this on. You get, well, there's a little something sick with this guy. And it still works. And I just think physically he works for this character. And I don't know who would have been better to fit the Deadshot character. I mean, he really wasn't the guy I was expecting when they said Will Smith's playing Deadshot. I'm like, what? But when you watch the movie, I think that he makes it work. Um, 
Margot Robbie, this is going to be <laughs> confession time here. Uh, I was not a fan of Margot Robbie being cast in this movie because I was not a Margot Robbie fan before this movie came out. Uh, the Wolf of Wall Street was the first thing I saw her in, and I honestly, I hate that movie. I hate that movie with a passion. Is that because of Leo's unit? You hate Leo? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't like Leo in that movie. There are other movies I accept Leo in. I don't like him in that movie. But I actually thought Margot Robbie was the worst thing about that movie. And the other movies she had since then, it's not like I was that critical of her. I mean, in Tarzan, I love The Legend of Tarzan, but I just thought she was okay in it. And Focus, the movie she did with Will Smith, you know, I thought that they had great chemistry in that movie, and it, it obviously lends itself to this movie. But I just thought, again, she was okay in that. And Harley Quinn was such an iconic character and such a big character that I thought she wouldn't have what it took to really play this big. And what I love that she does in this movie is that she plays this closer to the cartoon comic book than I think anybody expected. And I don't know how many people are even aware that Harley Quinn was brought into the comics because she was a popular character on the animated series. She was written for the animated series. And what Margot Robbie does is she models even her voice after the voice of the cartoon and I just, I really love that she did that and she she appreciated this character enough that she did her research and didn't just say, I'm going to make it my own. She says, I'm going to make the Harley Quinn that everybody wants to see. And I think there's too many actors nowadays who are saying, I'm playing this iconic superhero, but I want to put my own spin on it. Jesse Eisenberg. And she says, I'm not... <clears throat> Excuse <you> me. <laughs> Anyways, but she doesn't try putting a spin on it. She just is Harley Quinn. And that's the, the actors that resonate the most with audiences, like Christopher Reeve in Superman... Hugh Jackman in X-Men, they just said, I'm just going to live this character and be what the audience expects. And that's why she works so well in this. Yeah, completely agree. And she's about to be uh, from Margot Robbie, Harley Quinn to Tonya Harding. Um, Coming soon to the Oz Network. (laughs) Which, I mean, apparently she's getting stellar reviews for, so we shouldn't really rip shit into that. But... um, yeah, no, I completely agree with everything you said there. And the interesting thing with Harley Quinn is that I sort of knew coming into it is that um, there's you go there's a theme park in Australia and on in Queensland it's called Movie World. Uh, it's great fun. You know, I'm not a theme park person, but it's a lot of fun. There's you know one of those ones where everybody's dressed up as characters and you know and it's got a lot of um, uh, Warner Brothers elements to it. So there's a lot of DC characters there. And I remember going there a couple of years ago and, you know, you go up and get your photo with Batman and it's all like, oh, Batman, got a photo, you know, very well acted. <laughs> but then you've got you've got the Joker and you've got Harley Quinn. And it's fun because, like, you go up and get your photo with them and they're just a playful and, like, dicks to you because that's who Harley Quinn and the <laughs> Joker are. So it's, it's actually really, really fun. And, like, um, whoever it was playing Harley Quinn that day, I'm like, yeah, hello, I like this character. Um, and then, like, the thing is, it's like the fandom of the Joker and Harley Quinn, like, when it comes to, you know, fan fiction and lots of fan art and parodies and, uh, adult parodies, like, these are very, uh, and you can see why, like, you can see why these are kind of, you know, have that level of fandom out there. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure last year around about Halloween that the Harley Quinn costumes went up quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember a lot of them at Comic-Con last year. <laughs> just as the Suicide Squad Triple X parodies went up a little bit. Uh, anyway, um, not that I did any research at all. A friend told me. Uh, <laughs> but, all right. Uh, so now we're going to meet uh, Amanda Waller, Viola Davis, who, let's be honest, is maybe the star of this film. I don't know. Uh, we've just talked up Margot yeah. Robbie. We've just talked up Will Smith. But come on, Viola Davis. Like, how good is this woman? Oh, yeah. Just... I, I- she's oh she's amazing in this movie she's amazing in everything 
And that was the casting that I think made 100% sense to me when she was cast. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, I can kind of see that. It's like, who else are they going to get? Like, that makes total sense. It's just, it's, it's, it's perfect. Yeah, completely agree. And, like, I just, there's something about, I love, I always, this, maybe I like this film so much because I generally always go for the evil people in films. So, like, I mean, the fact that I've got a whole movie here of evil people, like, it's just, it's great for me. But I just, the way her character is in this film, uh, and particularly the scene where she just randomly just starts shooting people, um, it's just like, <laughs> okay, yep. Didn't see that coming, but sure. Uh, I just love her. I just, oh, she's so good. But he's Amanda Waller. She's out to dinner with some guy. Uh, <laughs> oh, and who's the guy? Did you recognize the he guy? He looks familiar. He does. Help me out here. Quantum of Solace. Yeah. Yeah. Does the CIA guy in Quantum of Solace beam? Oh, okay. I didn't know his name, but yep. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Not to mention one of the stars of Stranger Things and Black Mass and everything. Great actor. One of those guys who's in everything that you just like, oh, him. Like, you look at the the place. We kind of get a bit of a narration here, obviously. You know, it was like the whole world changed with Superman, flew across the sky and changed again when he died, basically. I like that little shot when she's walking through there and you've got that guy with the Superman shirts that say, remember. I want one of those shirts, by the way. Can I just say that? (laughs) Um, And we also get the Suicide Squad logo here. That's why I'm here. Um, And we get the, what is it? Um, Sympathy of the Devil here by Rolling Stones. Um, Which, yeah, look, again, we're just mentioning all the songs, but this is an amazing (laughs) soundtrack, all right? This is such a good soundtrack. We'll probably have to think I'd talk about this completely separately maybe at the end, but uh, just so good. Um, so we, we kind of just get her here talking to Quantum of Solace guy uh, about that now with Superman dead, we need to form a group of people together to stop worldly threats. This is my kind of my first one where I'm like, okay, really? This is all your one option? Because, like, again, I'll, I'm glad I have this option because we get this great movie. But, like, okay, Amanda knows Batman. Okay, so, like, why, why isn't Batman called in to stop this, all right? He just fought Doomsday, <laughs> didn't do much, he was bat-blogging, but, like, <laughs> Wonder Woman's out there, uh, she clearly knows the Flash exists, she clearly knows Aquaman exists, so, like, why does, like, I don't want to, like, this is maybe a lot of people argue with the plot hole with this slightly, I've got to say, you, you can't really escape the big questions here about, is this really their only option? <laughs> Well, I mean, it's not their only option, but I think they do a good enough job of selling it because why are they using them? They're using them because who's going to be the next Superman? You know, this is what I was talking about at the beginning, that we could trust Superman, we know now, but we're not necessarily going to be able to trust the next one. And who are we going to use? Well, you have to fight metahumans against metahumans. It makes sense. And do you want to rely on a Batman and then have him die and you kill Batman? <laughs> or do you want to get a group of them together that you can control that have nothing to really live for? And if they die, you can wash your hands clean of it. So, I mean, it, 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 yeah, is it the best option? No, but you're making a comic of Suicide Squad. You're not going to be able to come up with a better option than that. This is what Suicide Squad is. And you know, if we ever get one day a Justice League versus Super Su- Suicide Squad movie, it's going to be like, who the fuck do we root for here? <laughs> like, it's going <Yeah>. to <laughs> 
<laughs> Maybe Justice League will be so bad that um, we hate Aquaman. Well, everyone does already. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, so we we kind of get this cool introduction to sort of who will be on the Suicide Squad. Obviously, I, I mean, we 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 meet Deadshot, we meet Harley Quinn, and just I love the way they do this introduction with the text on the screen and kind of just like little flashbacks to what they have. Obviously, with um, with Deadshot, we kind of see this great little scene where he's like on the phone and he's kind of like, "Oh, your boy's here, and in twenty seconds he'll be gone forever." And it's like. Uh, transfers $1 million. Now you can double it for being a dickhead. <laughs> I love that yeah. line that he says. Um, and, you know, just this great sort of, you know, how good he is as a shot. Uh, and then uh, his weakness, though, is his daughter. Ugh, this girl, who is she? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, you have your old lady hate. I have my bad children actors hate. I don't hate children actors when they're good actors, right? They're great. I love seeing a good child actor. This girl is not. Like, <laughs> she annoys me. Um, but anyway, so they're walking around. It's rain. Is it raining or snowing? One of them, whatever. Uh, of course, everyone in Gotham City has to go through alleys because, you know, that's where shit goes down. Uh, <laughs> and who do we see? Batman! Like, I guess everybody kind yeah. of knew coming into this we were going to have some cameos of him. I mean, there was one in the trailer, of course, wasn't there, which we'll get to in a minute. Um it's over, Deadshot. Um, but, like, let's be honest. If little shit actor daughter girl didn't, like, stand in front of uh, him and Batman, Batman's dead. Like, does Batman survive that? <laughs> like, well, I, I'm, I'm sure he's bullet-resistant <laughs> nipples are going to save him. I love how he's got bat cuffs. I've written here that he pulls out <laughs> When does Batman and have the bat cuffs? <laughs> Get his camera out. I've thrown away the bat key. <laughs> Get his camera out to blog it. Bat blog. Yeah. Got my bat cuffs. <laughs> Just arrested Deadshot. Lol. Look at him. Ha ha. <laughs> Hashtag loser. <laughs> anyway, so there's Deadshot. Um, then we see uh, our background of uh, Harley and uh, Harleen Quinzel. Is that her name? I like her name. Um, and sort of she's a, a psychiatrist at uh, Arkham, somehow gets chained into this villainous role because she falls in love with the Joker. We meet the Joker here. Uh, we, we meet Jared Leto here. Um, and all that she wants, all he wants is a machine gun. And there's your panda in a suit with a machine gun. Um, <laughs> tortures her and then she basically falls in love and they become a... Good little duo, um, the king and queen of Gotham City, as they're called. Um, and I love, um, I just love these little flashback scenes. Like we've got the the bit when he's in the strip club and he just randomly kills the dude because said you've got a bad bitch. Um, I do. Well, I want to say about the Joker, and maybe we could talk about Jared Leto here. I don't know, but um, I love his line there when he gets here and he's like, "This handsome hunker, hunker." And then it's like in the Honest trailer, they kind of re- reference him that he's like sort of like half playing um, uh, James Franco from, um, oh God, what's the movie? Spring Breakers and Ace Ventura. And this this is the bit where I see him as Ace Ventura. <laughs> hunka, hunka. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is Ace Ventura going on here. But um, yeah, and then obviously we get the um, the crash with the, the car and the water and uh, Batman again. This is a bit from the trailer I was mentioning before. And uh, Harley Quinn captured. Uh, we also had the flashback here of uh, Captain Boomerang. He's Jai Courtney. <laughs> Yay! Said nobody. But... I think we did in this movie. I actually, I've never really had much against Jai Courtney, weirdly. Like, he's okay. Oh. But, like, 
he's actually really good in this movie. So, yeah, um, yeah I just I, I'm looking here at his previous television to see if he came from Home and Away or Neighbours. Neither he came from All Saints, uh, <laughs> which is this terrible Australian medical show that went on forever and ever. Um, he was also in Pact of the Rafters. That was a good show. Okay, he played Damien for two episodes. All right, fair enough. Good for you, Jai. Everyone remembers Damien. Pact of the Rafters was a very popular show here. Huge show. Um, but, uh, yeah. Was it because of Damien? <laughs> yes! Uh- <laughs> <laughs> um... <laughs> But uh, Captain Boomerang, I love the line here where they say he robbed every bank in Australia. Okay, so m- <laughs> my local Commonwealth Bank branch in Glenorchy that I go to, he robbed that one, did he? Okay, sure. <laughs> sure he did. I believe that. <laughs> he came to Tasmania and was like, oh, go to Northgate. I'm going to rob this bank. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> But uh, we also get Random Flash cameo here, which is cool. I like the Random Flash cameo here. Uh, then we meet El Di- Diablo, uh, who is kind of interesting. You were saying about sort of, um, you know, somebody who maybe you sort of root for. You kind of feel for El Diablo, but then you hear his story about how he, like, <laughs> killed his wife and kids. And like, eh, nah, not him. <laughs> when Harley Quinn is disgusted by what you did, yeah. <laughs> you know you're not the good guy. The but he's story. still a very interesting character, though. Like, he really oh, is. Yeah. Just the way the way he's done. And I like him. I, I like Jay Hernandez in this film. Um, and then we meet Mr. Echo from Lost, uh, Killer Croc, um, who basically was treated like a monster, so he became a monster. Um, and then... We also meet uh, Cara Delevingne. Now, look, I like... Can I just say, I like her. I like her as a person because I think she's very attractive. She seems fun. <laughs> That's all it takes. But, like, she's actually... Like, if you watch interviews with her and everything, she actually seems really fun. And as a huge Grand Theft Auto fanboy, she, of course, is the voice of DJ Cara on Nonstop Pop on uh, Grand Theft Auto 5, which is, like, my favourite radio station. So I know her voice very well. <laughs> it's, like, she's hilarious on that. Like, seriously, go on YouTube, and there's, like, clips of her on that. Uh, and I only realised recently that that actually was her, because, she, of course, she's British. So, like, as a person and all that sort of stuff, quite like her. But, as an actress, don't like her. She's a terrible actress. Uh, <laughs> like, let's be honest. All she does in this movie is walk around and look attractive, look shocked. They overdub her voice because she can't act. She looks incredibly weird in a pantsuit because there's just something about models looking nerdy that just doesn't work. And basically, she waves her arms around like one of those things at a car yard. Like, um, what what's the Family Guy one with her, like... Giant stand up wobbly things like just keep shouting at you over and over. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um but it's just like oh she she's the worst in this movie. <laughs> like Um But I mean she's so dumb, like as an archaeologist. What does she do? She goes in this cave, picks up a statue, is like, Oh what's this? I'm gonna snap it in half. No wonder you get sucked in by the witch. Like what the hell? Well, like it's not it's not like that's something that's like known to plague archaeologists. I mean, most archaeologists pick something up and they put it in a museum. But like you don't snap something like does Indiana Jones go, Oh the Holy Grail snap in half? No, like <laughs> Stupid Cara Delavine. And her name's <laughs> June Moon. Like what the hell? <laughs> Can we just put that out? June Moon <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, she's been possessed by 
Uh, we should really go over their powers, shouldn't we? I mean, <laughs> Captain Boomerang's got boomerangs. There we go. That's about <laughs> it. <laughs> and pink unicorns. Diablo is fire, like, turns into fire and burns people. So he's Colin's favourite character of all time. <laughs> <laughs> you love Diablo. Uh, and Killer Crocs, well, he looks like a crocodile. Harley Quinn, she's just crazy. Um, uh, then we also meet Rick Flag. I'm Rick Flag, bitch. Um, who basically was brought in to help fall in love with Cara Delevingne, which, to be honest, that's not that hard to do. I'd, I'd be there. But, um, so she's, like, manipulated him into falling in love with her to keep her in check because she's possessed by the Enchantress, which, obviously, we're going to see uh, will turn into, uh, basically, the, the villain of this movie. Now, before I kind of move on here, just I, I love the text on the screen when we're seeing these characters, and it's kind of lots of Easter eggs in those when you're kind of reading them. Like, obviously, with the, the Harley Quinn one, killed the Joker or whatever it is, or, like, murdered, like, two references now in a row that the Joker... Uh, not the Joker, sorry, uh, Robin... Is Robin, dead. Yeah, my bad. Um, <laughs> Linda Spencer. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like we've had two teasers now that Robin's dead. Um, so there's that. Uh, and also, I, I just the random one there with Colonel Rick Flag golfs with a three handicap. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, he's a pretty good golfer then. <laughs> good on you, Rick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's go play golf with Rick Flag. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'll cap maybe to the end of this meeting here. So then she's obviously talking about assembling this team, talking over with Quantum Solace guy. He's kind of like, oh, okay. So then they can go to the Pentagon and this committee with all these important people. And basically she's trying to talk him into it. Um, you know, now that Superman's dead, what are we going to do? And this is where we have that great line by Quantum Solace guy where he's basically like, what if Superman decided to fly down and rip the roof off the White House and kidnap the president? Let's be honest, in 2017, no one would give a shit if that was Trump. So, eh, <laughs> people would be fine with that. Um, but, <laughs> uh, hashtag not our president. But... <laughs> Well, he's not either of ours. We're Australian and Canadian. But um, we obviously then get this demonstration with the Enchantress, Carla Delevingne, doing her best wobbly weirdness uh, impersonation, and then she kind of steals the weapons guide from Tehran or wherever it is. Um, now, like, this is... The thing that I, I don't get about this is that, like, obviously it can contain her because of her heart, right? Yet she mm-hmm. somehow gets away from this in the end and becomes the big bad... So, I don't know, there's, uh, there's something around this that I feel is a plot hole. I don't know if I'm seeing it, but it's just kind of like, huh, what? Like, surely she could have done this before? Why is she waiting now? And I don't know. Anyway, we'll get to that. But, uh, I mean, I think I should kind of cap it there with the introductions and everything. I've probably yeah. missed a few things there, but, uh, yeah, we're up, we're up to that bit. Yeah, I mean, I like that we start off with all these introductions, and this is one of the dumb criticisms this movie received when it came out. Said it takes too long to get to the story, and I said the same line on the last episode. I'll say now, Guardians of the Galaxy still hasn't gotten to their story. Okay, like this is a superhero movie, and it takes about forty-five minutes to introduce all the characters and then get to the story. And your average superhero movie takes forty-five minutes to an hour to do this, and they're doing this with multiple characters. So. I don't think that's a fair criticism. I think that they do a good job of introducing all these characters and they have ways of keeping you interested with like these fun facts that come up on the screen, you know, like all the the little things, you know, with with Harley Quinn and the the Joker slash Robin (laughs) going back to the theory on uh, Joker from Batman Superman. Uh, And then, of course, the handicap one. I think that's great. Uh, 
but yeah, it's it's a fun way to introduce all the characters and it shows you their personality, even though we're only getting like little glimpses of some of these. You know, I remember coming out of this thinking, well, we didn't see a lot of Killer Croc, but I mean, we see just enough that we get the character. And I, I also think it's funny with the, the Captain Boomerang one that the Flash is in there because, I mean, he's actually a Flash villain, not a Batman one. And it was cool they included the Flash. I think everybody knew there would be a Flash cameo in this. They just didn't know where it was. People complain about the first that. Time- why do they complain about that? They're like, oh, why does he show up at that point and not throw out this? And like, like you just pointed out there that he's a Flash villain. So that obviously makes more sense. Yeah. Then. Yeah. And you want to introduce this character, even if it's just briefly, before you see them in the other movie. I mean, it's, it's no different than what the Marvel movies do. The only difference is the Marvel movies will give the Flash half the screen time in the movie to the point where you might as well have called this. Flash Squad and not Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah. But with him being included, what was interesting was that when they filmed that scene, Jai Courtney didn't know how he got beat. And Ezra Miller, who plays the Flash, said they came in and filmed the scene and he didn't know who was fighting in it. So they just sort of pieced those two things together and kind of kept it quiet by not even telling the actors. Uh, with Jai Courtney, okay, another one I wasn't a fan of. Um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually glad that when this started he was captain boomerang because as it was getting closer to this movie before all the trailers came out and all that i was mixing up the cast and i knew that um that we had had tom hardy drop out and that joel kinnaman came in and joel kinnaman was on a tv show uh spartacus wasn't it uh yeah <laughs> yeah i'm just confirming that i was hoping you would answer before i could um, uh, i don't have his page open anymore let me just quickly open that up uh, any professional podcast would edit this out, but we're not professional. No. Um, do you answer your question? Um, no, it's Joel Kinnaman. No, not Joel Kinnaman. It's uh, Jai Courtney. Jai Courtney was on Jai Spartacus. Courtney yeah, Joel was Kinnaman was on Spartacus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's funny because I got these two guys confused because I thought one of them was on Spartacus and I thought Jai Courtney was playing the Rick Flag role. So I was so disappointed where, as Tom Hardy dropped down, I'm like, we lose Tom Hardy and we get Jai Courtney? Seriously? But I'm happy he played a different role. And what works with him in this movie is that he's playing the opposite of all his other characters. And, you know, we're, we're going to drop Honest Trailers in all these, even if we're not referencing the Suicide Squad Honest Trailer. But uh, I think it was the Terminator Genesis Honest Trailer where they do the starring at the end and they mention Jai Courtney. And the way there's a, like, hey, Hollywood, stop trying to make yeah. Jai Courtney a thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that's probably the hardest I've ever laughed <laughs> in any Honest Trailer because that was the complaint I'd had for years where every time I'd see him in a movie, I'm like, why are they pushing this guy? Like, it's just, <laughs> how many great actors are there out there who have the talent, they have the charisma, they have the look, and yet they're getting no big shots. And here he is, like, let's make him John McClane's son. Let's make him Kyle Reese. Let's make him Rick Flagg, but not Rick Flagg. You know, <laughs> let's give him big roles in these divergent movies that nobody likes. Um, but I Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah yeah they kept trying to like sh- every movie he's in it's like they're shoving them down your throat and he just he has no charisma whatsoever and i hated him and everything i saw him in except for one movie which was jack reacher which is uh i think the greatest jerry action film out there like this blows away taken or equalize or anything else and he's playing i guess you consider him the villain but he's more like a henchman and the way he played the character was just kind of like a scumbag and there was something about him playing a really scummy character that worked and that that I loved him in. And I would always say the only movie I liked this guy in was Jack Reacher. And here he's playing the same type of scummy character, but he's funny. And this is where we're missing with Jai Courtney. Like, he is good comic relief. He is the closest thing to comic relief this movie has. 
And every scene he's in is hilarious, even though I walked out of the theater saying, what was he there for? What did he do? I, I still, I've seen this movie probably, you know, six, seven times. And yet I still can't tell you what he contributed to in the climax. But he's funny when he's on screen and that's what he's there for. It's a dumb character and he's got his little, you know, pink unicorn that he has a thing for. And he's... <laughs> it's an Australian <laughs> thing. It's an Australian <clears throat> thing. Yeah, and you and I are both big fans of the Keanu Reeves movie, The Replacements. Yeah. And, uh, uh, or not Orlando Bloom, Orlando, uh, uh, what's his name? Jones. Orlando Jones. Orlando Jones in that movie. Love him. I always saw Captain Boomerang as Orlando Jones in The Replacements. It's like, he's there, but he probably shouldn't be. What he's like the worst to Orlando guy Jones? Oh, he should have been in Suicide Squad, just as anybody. Just Evolution, like how good was he in Evolution, but Dazzled, Makes- like... Make seven up yours. Yeah, like where is he? What? Where are you, Orlando Jones? Messages. We're worried about you. (laughs) Let's do an Orlando Jones bunk. Yeah, can we? (laughs) Seriously, there's three good movies we just mentioned there. Four. Like, come on, easy. (laughs) But you remember like that scene when they're all in the bar fight in the replacements, and he's just sort of hiding the whole time. Yeah. That's what Captain Boomerang is in this movie. And then later on, he's like talking tough, like uh, like he's involved in the fight. And everybody's like, you were hiding behind you know, the jukebox or whatever. <laughs> the character just, it works so well in this movie. And I never would have thought that I'd want to see Captain Boomerang. Because even in the comics, I'm like, Captain Boomerang? Seriously? When they announced he's one of the big stars, I'm like, no, there's no way this is going to work. But I mean, he's fantastic in it. And how how much can we talk? We could just do a Viola Davis podcast at this oh. point. Like, this woman can do it all. I remember watching The Help and hating it, but thinking, give this woman the Oscar. You know, and everything she's been in, that, that, um, what's that TV show she has? It's very popular. Yeah, it's good. Love it. The How to Get Away with Murder. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, I've never watched it, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I've seen it, uh, the first couple episodes, and it, the show, I mean, I just didn't have it in me to invest that much in the show, but like, my goodness, like, this woman deserves, like, Academy Award for Greatest Actress of All Time, regardless of whatever role she's in, including Suicide Squad. Like, just create that award for her. The Viola and, Davis category for being Viola yeah, exactly. Davis. Nominees are Viola <laughs> Davis, Viola <laughs> Davis, Viola Davis, and Viola Davis! Honorable mention, Jai Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like her character is the villain of this movie, and yet she's not. It's just it's an interesting premise, and she's the only person who could have pulled this off. And I, I just love so many of the lines she has in here. Like the best line where you get what is her purpose, because this is a huge character from the DC universe. And I'm really hoping she pops up in more than Suicide Squad because she's kind of the you know government uh, henchwoman. That just pops up in all DC stories. And I think they even had her in the Green Lantern movie with Ryan Reynolds, you know, not Viola Davis. But <laughs> yeah, like obviously DC always wants to involve her. And just, I want to see her pop up in Justice League at some point. Uh, but the line she has, which just perfectly sums up her character, where uh, she's talking about what, what her, her job is that uh, uh, getting people to act against their own self interest for the sake of national security is what I do. <laughs> You get the woman right there, and she spends a whole movie doing that. I mean, we're going to have lots of time to talk about Viola Davis from now until the end of this podcast. But it's just she's the right person to narrate this movie, too, and these opening scenes as they're introducing all the characters. Now, she doesn't do a good job of explaining what some of them are there for. Why do you want Captain Boomerang? Mm. Why do you want Harley Quinn? I mean, I can understand Deadshot. If you're putting together a military team, you want the guy who can kill anybody with a single shot without looking where he's aiming like that opening scene where he's pleasure doing business with you and he's not even looking it's amazing 
you get why he's in there. Why do you want a guy that robs banks? Is he going to help you defeat the next Superman, as they say? <laughs> <laughs> and what is Harley Quinn going to do? I mean, she's too much of a wild card. She's more likely to ram herself into an electrified cage than to actually do any harm. It's it, it Yeah, plot holes here, but it's a comic book and you want these characters, so it's fun. Um, the Killer Croc one, it's I don't really <laughs> know do why he's there. <laughs> yeah, it's... There's a lot of characters, you don't know why they're there, but I just love all the actors. And Mr. Echo... Say his name. <laughs> you, you try and say his name, Colin. Go on. Oh, okay, I'm going to give this a... Adewali Akinwoi Agbeji. <laughs> I think I had I a did. seizure there. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. <I> you did. <laughs> um, I don't Echo. know why he's there. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Echo. Who's amazing. Is the one that How just... do we not love Mr. Echo in Lost? Yeah. Come on. And, and even in this, he's you could never. I I knew he was in this movie, and I probably knew he was Killer Croc. And then I watched this whole movie. And I'm like, who's the guy that played Killer Croc? Like, there's no. It's not even just a makeup thing. Like, even just his performance is totally not what you would expect from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Enchantress. Let's quickly talk about her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's the weakest performance in this movie. There's a weirdness with her performance with her arm waving, but <laughs> I think it kind of works just because. It sells that these are, like, really weird villains. And I'm going to have more to talk about, I think, on her brother than I do her, just because there's an interesting story involving our old podcast with him. But the thing is with the Enchantress, I mean, what else are you going to do with her? I thought at least it was a good twist that, at this point in the movie, you don't know it, but you think she's part of the Suicide Squad, and in the end, she's the villain of the movie. And this kind of shows the flaw in the Suicide Squad. I mean, you can't control everybody. And yeah, there's plot holes we'll get into with, you know, her heart. <laughs> Why could she have done this earlier? But in all fairness, you're not going to hire everybody to be a great actor. This movie has so many great actors giving so many great performances. It's okay to have one in there that was hired for a look. And I'm not even just talking about her being attractive. I'm just saying they wanted Enchantress. I showed you the picture of what the Enchantress looked like in the comic books. Yeah. You don't want to do that. But yet Witchy it's an poo. interesting enough power. Yeah, it almost, it just, I don't even know what it looked like. An 80s elf. Puffies. An elf, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is like, uh, what's that 80s, like Jane Fonda aerobics elf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> but I think that the characters work for the movie because there's something different. They're not aliens. Uh, it's supernatural. It allowed you to have something where it's like, you just have to kill these people. There's no redeeming them. And she has an interesting look in this movie. When she's the Enchantress and she's all like, slimy and all that i mean it just you're only going to get that with the right person to fit that look and she pulls off the look of the movie so i'm not that concerned with her performance throughout it um this is she just it's just i don't know why it bothers me so much when she's in like that pantsuit in that room like there are like <laughs> maybe it's just a thing with me that like when you're really attractive and like you just your entire life has been built around that you're hot Okay, fair enough. I, I have that problem. Yeah, me too. It's a, it's a curse, <laughs> but we've got to deal with it, right, Colin? It's it's how we're born. Yeah. We can't change our looks. But, like, like, don't try and make hot people look ugly because it just doesn't work. Like, it does some oh. context, but, like, it just she just looks too attractive to be in that context. You're not going to believe her. I'm sorry. I don't know if this is coming across as sexist. I hope this doesn't. But to me, she just does not look like somebody who should be an archaeologist. She's too beautiful to be an archaeologist. I'm sorry if there are beautiful archaeologists You're out there. You're talking about, like, June Moon. Like, June Moon. when she's June Moon, you don't think she- I'm going <laughs> to... 
<laughs> June Moon um, with Rob Dobb. Um, imagine if this was just a Kay. thing in DC where it's like, you know, Batman, uh, a.k.a. Dwayne Wayne. <laughs> there was, um, there were, Louise used to have this book that she was like her favorite growing up. We used to just read it because it was silly. It was called like Henny Penny or something like that. And it was like filled with characters called like Foxy Loxy and, uh, you know, Dadger Badger and, you know, like just like things like that. Clucky Ducky or something like that. So like June Moon. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but you're, you're saying she doesn't look believable as an archaeologist. Yeah. I'm going to agree just because I think her age shows. It's kind of like Jessica Alba in, and I didn't mind Jessica Alba in the F- Fantastic Four, sorry to say everybody. But you're not going to believe Jessica Alba to be this scientist that's supposed to be the same age as Mr. Fantastic. And she's, like, graduated and has, like, her master's and everything. It's not even a thing about intellect or anything like that. It's just she looks way too young to be an archaeologist in this. I actually... And how old is she? she? Uh, uh, 25, 24, 25. So, yeah. So she's mid twenties. Um, I actually like the Fantastic Four, the, the two first ones, uh, and I don't, yes. I don't like Jessica Alba at all. I'm not a Jessica Alba fan, but I actually like her in those movies. So, um, anyway, God, we're really digging our hole. Oh, we love Suicide Squad. We love the Fantastic Four movies. The prequels are amazing. Like that's why we have no listeners. Um, I just one thing I like to say to uh, just on Jai Courtney. I love his um on Wikipedia. It says here. That Courtney stated, he's an absolute bogan in the purest sense. And the first instruction was, find your inner shit bag. Here's some of the best one-liners in this movie. Just so Australian. They're so good. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like him. So what I, I think I might do here is um, lump a whole lot of these together, basically. Maybe towards until we get maybe basically into the, the city, essentially. Do we, do we want to talk about the Joker now while we, he's there? Or do we want to save him? Well, I think we'll do him as we could do as his own segment, probably. Sure. Because really, all of his stuff is just one story. It didn't even need to be cut in and out of the movie. Well, do you want to do that now? Or I mean, no. yeah, let's just talk about the Joker. Let's get the Joker out of the way. All right. Well, I mean, like Jared Leto. I mean, he was kind of the big casting call for this one, wasn't it? Because I mean, everyone, whoever is the yeah. Joker, is always going to be. I mean, I remember when Heath Ledger was cast as a Joker and everything was around that. Obviously, we know what happened with Heath and his Dark Knight and all that sort of stuff. You know, Jack Nicholson always esteemed the Joker. Um, even Mark Hamill voicing the Joker is kind of, you know, esteemed for that. So, he's always that character that kind of, it's it's always the most talked about. And, I mean, I think a lot of people were excited that he was in this movie. I, again, as I said, I, I kind of am sort of like, well, you can probably take him out of this movie and it's not really changing much. I don't dislike his performance it's a different interpretation of the joker and it's kind of like what you were saying before about how like actors will give a different interpretation um and i mean the joker i think is one of those characters you can get away with it though like i i think he's so diverse as a character and you might argue even more beloved than batman in some circles you know what i mean it's it's kind of rare for that to be he's just such an iconic character and i just kind of like this this take on him that he's kind of transformed into more of a sort of like a an underworld sort of gangster figure in, in many aspects rather than kind of, you know, some of the other ones we've seen. And whereas like Heath Ledger, you kind of felt he was a bit of a loner, but he still kind of was crazy and he did things the way he did, was able to get people to do what he did, but he was always about me, me, me. Like this time around, it's like, he's got a team, he's got his crew, even though he's still is selfish with a lot of his actions. Um, I mean, the only things that I kind of weird me out a little bit about his performance of the Joker is he's like cat purring. 
<laughs> like he's <laughs> like, what are you doing? Um, but I, I don't mind his look. Like I like kind of the caps on his teeth yeah. and the the hair and like the tattoos. The way he's got like that ha 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 written all over him. Um, and just like the scenes, like the the club scene that we saw there, like the bit where he's uh, going over our bestie Griggs, uh, kind of you know when he's getting information in there, when he's um breaks into that facility and stabs that guy with the the needle when he's in the helicopter and he's kind of got that machine gun and he's shooting at him and then just i love just him and harley quinn him and and margot robbie just Mm -hmm. the chemistry oh my god like so good and just like the flashback scenes like you know when he's like torturing her the flashback bit when he's like she's jumping into the water with that amazing song gangster just as she's falling down there um the car one we've obviously already mentioned i love that you're ruining date night bang bang (laughs) so good i just love the way she's like hey pudding like i just love the way she says that um and i love when they're texting each other this little uh, um emoji of the joker uh, when they're in the helicopter together and then just like the, the closing scene, which like ends the movie, you know, when he shows up as a cop with the word Joker written on his like SWAT uniform. Uh, I think they're the only scenes there with the Joker that I'm thinking of. Oh, the bit where he's like, uh, surrounded by the knives, which of course was in the trailer. Yeah. Logistically, did he really lay all of them out? <laughs> no, he had one of the pandas do it for him. <laughs> I do like it in the Everything Wrong With video where the guy's basically like, this is up there with the Viva Vendetta domino scene is just stupid. <laughs> Which, I mean, you can kind of see in a way, but I, it's iconic as in the fact that it was in the trailer and it's a scene that you would imagine the Joker doing. Again, like, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not drinking the Haterade with Jared Leto as a Joker. I personally prefer Heath Ledger as a Joker, just as a personal opinion. Uh, Who doesn't? I mean, look, I'm a bit... I don't know if this is your viewpoint on this. I'm not a fan of the Tim Burton Batman film, so to me, Jack Nicholson, like, mm-hmm. while great, I would maybe rank him third out of these three portrayals. Ooh! Yeah. People are probably going to go off at me for that. But I don't know, like, he's just... As much as I ripped shit into Jesse Eisenberg for Lex Luthor, I have more of a grand picture of Lex Luthor, and to me, he went swayed too much. And there, there are elements to this portrayal of the Joker by Jared Leto that I'm seeing as Jesse Eisenberg doing as Lex Luthor, which is kind of wrong. You shouldn't be seeing that. Like I can, I'm picturing Lex Luthor doing what he's doing based on Batman v Superman. But yeah, I just I'm kind of maybe middle ground with him. Like there are bits about it that I don't like, but again, I don't hate it either. I think I mean he's a very talented actor slash emo band singer. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean I that's my take on on the Joker, and I guess they're all the scenes, unless I've forgotten any that I'm thinking of. Uh, well, I got a couple things to say on this, and I really don't even want to comment on the scenes themselves because it's a fair argument that the Joker's plot really has no relevance in this movie, other than to set up. You know, there's maybe a conflict. Will Harley Quinn stick with them? People are being a little bit too critical if they say, well, he has no place in this movie, because then you have to say, well, you know, there's no place in this movie because Captain Boomerang doesn't want to do anything or Deadshot, you know, is at odds with Rick Flagg and uh, Rick Flagg, you know, doesn't want to kill the Enchantress. It's just it's providing Harley Quinn that one out where it's like, you're not 100% buying that she's going to stick with this mission and stick with this team. Uh, so he's important for that. And he's such an iconic villain. You had to put him in here. People's complaint about the Joker, I think comes down to the fact that they assumed that the Joker would be the villain that they're mm-hmm. all fighting. Mm-hmm. And part of that comes from the fact that they couldn't really reveal the villain they were fighting in the trailers, because that's the one really good surprise with this movie is that, Hey, it's the Enchantress and her brother. And I think that they do a good job as villains, partly because you didn't expect it because you knew nothing coming in. 
I even was thrown off by that. I expected the Joker to be the villain. Some people expected the Joker to be part of the team. It's not really the fall of the movie. They put the Joker in there. I think that it made sense to have him in there. When people try to say, well, the Joker's barely got any screen time, okay, watch the movie. I heard that argument, and I sat down, and I counted every minute Jared Leto Leto is on screen, (laughs) and it is right behind Will Smith, Margot Robbie, Viola Davis, and Joel Kinnaman. He has more screen time than almost every actor in this movie. So to say he's not in the movie, I mean, all of his scenes are crammed right up front, which I think is why it's deceptive. He's gone halfway into the movie or a little over halfway. So that might create the illusion, well, he doesn't have anything to do in this movie. But this first half of the movie, he probably has more screen time in this than Harley Quinn does. And maybe that's a problem as well because... He doesn't have any relevance to the plot. So I can see some complaints with his involvement in this movie. But just don't say he's not in the movie. He's in this movie a ton. And if you don't believe me, sit down and count his minutes on screen like I did versus the other actors. Yeah, go on. Show that you've got no um, life like Colin. Go on. Do it. Count the minutes yeah, exactly. he's on screen. Do it. <laughs> yeah. And while you're at it, count the amount of minutes on screen that Jake Lloyd had in the Phantom Menace. Because <laughs> I've done that too. <laughs> count the amount of breaths of air that Jake Lloyd does in the Phantom Menace. Because Colin's yeah. done that too. <laughs> Count the grains of sand that Anakin snarls at in Attack of the Clones. <laughs> there it is. Hang on a minute. But, there it is. Ding, ding, ding. Sand, grain of sand reference episode. Tick, done. Right, we've done it. Right, moving on. <laughs> but there's a few things I do like with the Joker in here. Like, I like that the origin they give him, at least with Harley Quinn, is very true to the comics. That, again, goes back to the whole portrayal of Harley Quinn working. His interpretation of the Joker is different. But people have to, again, understand Heath Ledger's interpretation was the most out there and has almost nothing to do with the Joker from the comics. Jared Leto's is much closer to what comic book Joker is. And plus, also understand there are so many different versions of the Joker, even in the comics, that you can't nail down just one. And I think the look was a little bit different, but it was something that suited you know, what this interpretation of the Joker was. He's almost more like an underworld cult leader than anything yeah. else. Yeah. And... I find that there's this weird hypnotic quality with his performance that even Heath Ledger, he was entertaining to watch, but he was almost too entertaining. And I'm not even criticizing his performance. He is the best Joker, but you root for him too much. With you know, with this Joker, he's hypnotic in the way that you kind of buy that everybody's following him. And it isn't a thing of him preying on these crazy people. He kind of has this persuasion over Harley Quinn and everybody else, and then he turns them crazy. And it's just, it's an interesting way that they played the joker in this movie that i think is different from the others but it fits the joker character because also for the first time ever we're not seeing him as an anarchist like we did in the dark knight we're seeing him as a crime lord here and we're seeing him like really a scary creature i mean he's probably the scariest joker we've seen so some credit to jared leto for that now jared leto leto uh (laughs) 30 seconds of mars (laughs) uh slightly anorexic (laughs) not a fan of his Never have been a fan of his because I remember growing up, he was on this TV show, which is like, I guess any girl who grew up in the 90s was in love with the show that had Claire Danes in it called My So-Called Life. And he was like the love interest character. And I just, uh, this was pre-PVRs or pre-multiple TVs in the house. And every once in a while, your sister got to pick a show and you had to sit there and watch it waiting for your show to come on. And the amount of episodes I had to watch this guy brooding his emo, anorexic, figure straddling (laughs) across screen just made me nauseous but even putting that aside i can appreciate him in this movie having said that he is an idiot in real life 
an absolute <laughs> idiot because he came out but when this movie was released and he's gay he said <laughs> no that was the pr- prior movie uh, oh but oscar winning movie uh, yeah. <laughs> but he came out and said tons of criticism towards david Ayer and warner brothers and dc because they said they butchered my role in the movie there was like at least you know 45 minutes of extra scenes in this movie of mine that have been cut and I, first of all i've watched the director's cut of this which the deleted scenes are mostly joker scenes they add nothing to the movie they add less than the scenes that are in this movie i understand why they're cut secondly he said all these complaints and then came out and said, I can't even bring myself to watch this movie yet. So he criticizes his own movie without even watching it based on what other people have said. And now flash forward a year and they're talking about doing this Joker origin story, which you know, obviously you're going to get a young actor. They have the Joker Harley Quinn spinoff movie in the works. And all of a sudden he's like, I don't know why nobody's calling me. I don't even know if I'm going to be in these movies. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> This may be the biggest idiot in Hollywood since Natalie Portman. Hey! And that's saying thoughts. Why is she an idiot? She's a Harvard graduate and she's smart. Shut up. Where did Trump graduate from? Did Trump I'm graduate? <laughs> sure he did. I think he went to Harvard. No, just no love for him in real life. But I that just shows you I'm not just on board with everything in this movie. I think he's an idiot. Uh, but I appreciate what he did with the performance and that it was different i just i don't know what's wrong with the man in real life like he has a real screw loose he may be the joker in real life i've never liked this guy i mean like i mean i you watch my so-called life look i do not like 30 seconds to mars and to be honest with you i did not know this guy was an actor even though he's in one of my like favorite movies of all time panic room i didn't even realize that was him in that fucking movie until i've just looked at this script right now the filmography i'm like fuck yeah that makes sense he was the henchman guy now i know who he is but like i'm like when he won that academy award i'm like what jared leto's winning an academy award what now this here just to make my argument even better he had no problem accepting that Academy Award. And you add up his screen time in that movie, I guarantee it's no more than 10, 12 minutes. Like, he's in that movie a fraction of what he's in this movie for. But I'll accept the Oscar. Why not? People talk about, like, oh, Matthew McConaughey's an Academy Award winner. Like, so? He's changed his life around. He's a good actor. Like, Jared Leto? Yeah. Like, in 10 years' time, is Justin Bieber going to be an Academy Award winner? Like, <laughs> like can we just, like, I well, know. he's not evil enough. Oh, well, he may be. Who knows what happens in 2027? But, like, oh, God. But, yeah, no, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said, though, uh, along those lines. And wouldn't it be interesting if they do sort of the Harlequin Joker one and it's a different Joker and then, like, obviously with the younger Joker and the Joker Origins and we just have one time Jared Leto. I mean, I guess Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger only played at one time, but, uh, I mean, Heath Ledger for obvious reasons and Jack Nicholson, well, did they kill him off in Batman, the first Batman? I can't remember. Yeah. Eh, it's been that long. I'm just not a fan of the Tim Burton Batman movies. Overrated pieces of crap. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so we I'm going to lump a lot of these in there, basically, kind of right up maybe into the city. Um, so we have um, the yeah, we have Will Smith getting taken out of his cell. We get the bit you were talking before about uh, Harley Quinn. Are you the devil? Maybe. Um, great line. We get, uh, this is basically, uh, Amanda getting all these guys out of their cages. Um, and we get Griggs, yo, SA, put the burrito down. 
to your favourite Diablo, um, which, I mean, is that racist? I don't know what that is. Is that just... That's, I don't yeah, know. but Griggs would be a racist guy, let's True. be honest. And he writes, buy in flames, cool. Um, and he says that line, like, die in peace before I raise my fists again, which, again, I, I like the way they do that with his character. And Colin's just going, burn people, burn people, burn people. Um, you love that footage that they show of the prison yard, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I just wish that we had seen that more of that in the director's cut. Now, how many minutes is that on screen? You've counted that more so than uh, Jared Leto. Um, <laughs> I do love the scene there we get with Will Smith when he shows up with the guns. Like, what is this, cheerleading tryouts? Um, and then he, like, gets a gun. But this is where we get, like, wimpy Griggs. Oh, come on, man! No, no, come on! And it's like, you know, oh, you removed the firing pin, haven't you? And he shoots it in the sky. And Griggs is like, oh, Jesus! Like, just absolutely shitting himself. <laughs> love Griggs. I love that scene. Um, and this is where he said, like, remember when I brought you that cookie? <laughs> that was a real cookie. <laughs> Uh, just this epic scene when he's there shooting the thing, and uh, again, special shout out to the uh, the music being played. It's actually not on the soundtrack, but Black Skinhead by Kanye West. Great song. Fits so well here with this Will Smith scene here where he's like shooting the shit out of it. Um, and I love it when he's like talking uh, to Rick Flag, and he's like going like, now these are my terms. And he's like, and he's like going, my daughter is going to Harvard. And he's like, I believe really can. So, yeah, and if she fails in the Greggs, you white people that shit. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love that line. And, and Darnell, he's like, he's out. Darnell's yeah. out. Yeah, we hate Darnell. Uh, <laughs> skank ass boyfriend. Darnell, he's out. <laughs> Um, and then we, we get the, I like the scene there with it, was it Amanda and Rick when, like, she mentions about, like, oh, during World War II, uh, you know, the US Army made a deal with the Mafia to protect the harbour, and he's like, this isn't World War II, and she's like, no, but it's World War Three. It's like, ooh, yeah, yeah you said that. <laughs> um, so, what are we going here? There's a Joker scene in there, we've already gone over that. Um, that's where with Joker and Griggs, isn't it? <laughs> when he's like, yeah. bl- when he says like, blah, 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 and he starts purring at him and he makes him kiss the ring. Uh, <laughs> like that. Uh, we get Rick Flagg eating his chicken, uh, which is cool. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I like that moment too. He's just like staring out the window, hunkered down on a chicken. <laughs> just eat him right off the bone, and just sucking that does, thing dry. Look at him. Going to town on that chicken, Rick Flagg. <laughs> Loves his golf and his chicken. <laughs> maybe I'm maybe I'm starting to like Rick Flag more than I, you know, he said, oh, he's okay. Now I'm like, oh, the chicken-eating golf man. He is really good in House of Cards, Joel Kinnaman. He's got Kinnaman. a special set of skills. Really good in House of Cards. Um, but this is kind of where the Enchantress buggers off. She goes um, to uh, Amanda's house. It's got the weird little thing that beeps. And again, it's like, this is the, the question. It's like, why hasn't she done this before? Like, why just now? Um, but we then go to Midway City. I'm guessing this is Midway between Gotham and Metropolis. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, is Midway City like another city that we just never hear about in the DC world? Or I've never All heard of, of Midway DC, City before. Yeah. Like, all of DC's cities, I mean, you have different superheroes, different cities. Like, you have uh, Gotham City, Metropolis, you have Star City, Edge City. Heard of Edge City. Yeah. Wait, well, so, who's the, who's meant to be the superhero of Midway City? Do we know? Or? Uh, I had to Google it, and it's actually one of my favorite ones, Hawkman, which, oh. uh, if they ever did a Hawkman, that would be the, the ultimate. The esteemed Hawkman. Yep. Yes. Uh, Edge City, of course, is the home of The Mask. Jim Carrey's there. 
Um, I don't even remember that. But um, anyway, uh, but we're so we're in this train station. This is where the enchantress gets a brother because you know Viola Davis just keeps a brother just hanging around in the, that weird statue. Um, and then we kind of get this scene with a the brother because she's Tasmanian. She's weirdly in love with the brother. Um, and they're gonna. <laughs> They're going to build a machine because humans worship machines. So we'll build a machine to destroy them all. Which, again, like, <laughs> the, the, I will say, do we ever actually establish what their plot is to do with the world? When the, the whole the whole purpose here is like, we're going to stop these guys. She's going to take over the world. And I think we get a little bit at the end where she's like, now that this is over with, I'm going to turn everyone in the world on my side. Like, that's about well, it. I, <laughs> yeah, it's it's not that well established, but... I guess it has something to do with the fact when they're talking, it says, what happened? The humans used to worship us. And it's like, well, not this generation. They don't like us at all. Let's yeah. make them like us. So kind of almost like Man of Steel that we're just going to, instead of turning it into Krypton, we're going to turn it into this weird enchantress land. Or <laughs> I mean, yeah. where we turn our, our soldiers into avocado heads or something. Like I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, we basically get this scene now where... The brother uh, of the entrant. Does he have a name? The brother, or are we just calling him brother? Uh, Incubus. Incubus. Of course, it's Incubus. That's my next guest. Incubus. <laughs> um, yeah, they're not a bad band. They're better than Thirty Seconds to Mars. Um, oh, much better. Yeah. <laughs> Glad we agree on something. So uh, he's <laughs> in this train station in Midway City where he collapses, and we've got the most helpful cop in the world. Sir, sir, are you okay? <laughs> it's like what a nice cop. Um, before he gets dead, deaded, and this random guy, I'm a physician! <laughs> like, just, I just love that guy who just walks in, I'm a physician! And some, guy, some other person turns around and goes, I'm a donut shop worker! I'm a nurse! <laughs> We're sharing our professions! I'm a radio host! I'm Batman! No, you're not. Uh, <laughs> Why did you say that name? <laughs> Martha! Uh, basically he goes crazy, destroys this whole train station. Um, and then this is where we find out Midway City's under attack, um, which they know pretty quickly. And then all of a sudden like, quick, we're going live with the project. Um, which just all of a sudden goes really quickly. So now we've gotten the, the, the go-to for Project X to come along the Suicide Squad. I do like this task, that one too. Uh, I do like... Um, this scene where they're all coming in there and uh, we're about to sort of get introduced and we get this bit from the trailer, you know, where they're all standing there sort of being introduced or being evacuated. Um, I do love Harley Quinn in the wheelchair. Whee! <laughs> <laughs> I just fucking love that scene. I just want to play that over and over. She just, I just love the way she plays her. Just, Whee! I don't know why it's funny, but it is. Um, this is where, obviously, Griggs hands her a phone, which ties into the Joker side of things. Um, but they get all get stabbed in the neck because uh, they're going to get these things put in there where their heads blow up if they do the wrong thing. Is that is it dead shot? Is like, anyone who touches me is dead. And there's a stabs. Yeah. And then, like, Harley Quinn, the way she's like, I don't know you. Who are you? I don't know any of you. And they just don't give a shit, um, <laughs> which is great. Uh, we also, uh, have, this, this is a bit where, um, it's kind of weirdly edited because this obviously comes back into a factor of it. So we've got, uh, Rick Flagg with June Moon in the train station because they realize it's the brother. So they've got to stop her. And this is where June Moon's like, oh, if anything happens to me, it doesn't matter. You've got to kill me. You've got to, you know, yeah. stop the Enchantress. 
Then all of a sudden we cut back to Amanda. She's bolted. And then we get her stabbing the heart. Then she's all like... (laughs) But then all of a sudden the brother does something and she's fine. uh, And she's all like waving her arms in the air. Um, So like, it's kind of, it's a bit strange. But like, the way I say it's weirdly edited, I'm not necessarily complaining about it. It's kind of the Dunkirk effect, isn't it? That you don't... (laughs) You don't know. Well, maybe Dunkirk did the Suicide Squad effect. I don't know, because that came yeah. afterwards. But, like, you, you're assuming this is all real time. But this is not real time, because, as we're going to find out, spoiler alert, this is all happening while this is happening out there, and Viola Davis is actually stuck in Midway City. This is where, they're, the when they're talking about we're going to extract someone from Midway City, we don't know who it is until, spoiler alert, it's Viola Davis. So, I mean, I don't know if, like, watching this and you know what's happening, because this is the first time when I watched it the second time I knew that this was the case. So it's kind of interesting watching this scene in some aspect, but I don't know if that affects the way you see this at all in any way. Uh, Well, one thing I do like about this is there's certain things you're not going to be able to hide from the audience. You have to show them who the villains are. You have to explain why the Enchantress isn't there. But... As I was watching this, especially when they're flying in and they're asking questions, you know, what are we, I mean, this is jumping ahead, but they're like, you know, what are we going here for? And they're like, oh, it's just a terror attack. Like, <laughs> you realize they know nothing. They're completely in the dark. They're not watching CNN, obviously, and seeing, you know, avocado heads, as you said, running around <laughs> devouring people. <laughs> they really are avocado but, heads. <laughs> but, like, they're completely in the dark. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be interesting, this movie from the point of view of the Suicide Squad, where you know nothing? And in a way, they do that, especially with Viola Davis, that you you have no idea that she's the one captured until they get there. So yeah. some things David Ayer actually kept from their point of view, which I like. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, so the worldwide military is on alert too because of the giant laser beams in the sky with the, which again is funny in the honest trailer when they're basically like, oh, it's a giant laser beam in the sky, isn't it? With rubbish around it. Yes, just like in every movie in the last ten years or whatever it is, which is kind of true when they put those comparison shots of all the other movies that are around the world. Um, so then we get yeah this introduction scene as I said, where they're all coming up. We get Seven Nation Army playing in the background just to point out to the soundtrack. Um, and we also who else do we meet here? We randomly meet Adam Beach. Uh, yeah. Slipknot, um, and then we meet, is it Katana? She yes. kills people, which, I mean, people say the Joker's, <laughs> like, wasted in this movie. <laughs> what? That's a total, like, his name is Jaws, he kills people. But, like, it's Her name, name is Katana, she kills people. Again. She traps their souls. Honest trailer it, watch it. That's basically what they, they, I think that sums up her character. She kind of just shows up and is there and... Her name's Katana. She kills people. Her <laughs> gets stuck in... The, you know, that's basically it. Um, just as a quick note, Adam Beach, Slipknot. Uh, I think you... Was it you? And I said, oh, he was in Third Watch. You're like, oh, that's Michael Beach. Uh, Adam yeah. Beach actually was also in Third Watch, as I mentioned. I would say Viola Day was also in Third Watch. Uh, so, I mean, I, I like Adam Beach. He's kind of not just in Third Watch. He's been in a few other things. But, I mean, he's in this movie for, what, like nine minutes? Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I love... I love... Um, who is it that says, I was playing Mahjong with my Nana? Is that um, Slipknot who says that, then he punches that woman? Or is that somebody else that I've written? Yeah, I, I don't remember who had that line, yeah. Um, and then, of course, we get uh, Rick Flagg kind of going over everything, you know, basically explaining uh, what they're going to be doing. Uh, if you are vexing, <laughs> just Harley I'm known to be quite vexing. I'm just forewarning you. I love that line. Oh, God, I love her. Um, and I love Will Smith here when he goes off at Rick Flag. He's like, you call that a pep talk? You heard of Phil Jackson? <laughs> Triangle, bitch. Study. <laughs> I 
love it. It's so good. So somebody, like, I was reading some review or something like that. They're like, oh, they just try too hard for one-liners in this movie. Like, fuck off. They're brilliant. Like, they're so good. Like, the only one that is cringeworthy, and I'm going to call it the die another day line, is when he says, oh, so what, we're some kind of suicide squad? Like, to me, that's a bit like, "Uh, okay. Yeah, you need it. You need it. But, like, you know, it's like I think you sort of defended the Die Another Day line in Die Another yeah. Day. Uh, but, I mean, to me, out of all the obvious uses of a James Bond title, that one is like, oh, so you live to die another day. Like, uh-huh. uh huh. <laughs> hello, Hallie. Uh, <laughs> but this is, the, I love this scene when he's like, gives them their stuff that, you know, like the, he's, Will Smith's got his mask and he always, that's when he says that line that you said before. Of course, like, oh, whenever I put this suit on, somebody dies and I kind of like it. Then we've got Harley Quinn there with a pudding little neck thing and uh, we've got Captain Boonerang with his unicorn. Um, and we've got the great Without Me uh, by Eminem playing in the background. Fantastic song. Um, and then I just love the scene that was, of course, in the trailer where, you know, Harley Quinn's putting a shirt on. She's obviously gotten changed in front of everybody. Look at those shorts, my lord. And everybody's just looking at her and she's like, what? Yeah. They're all in, like, armor and everything and she's wearing nothing. <laughs> That's Harley Quinn. Oh, God. Wouldn't we all wish to see that change? Um, but just, uh, the... This is when we learn that they've got the things in their neck because uh, there's Viola Davis on a Samsung tablet. Uh, <laughs> they all get on their helicopter. He's Katana. She kills people. She traps the victims, <laughs> the souls of her victims in a sword. We get a random flashback of her in Tokyo. Like, she's just, like, I, I have nothing to say on her. She's just there. Like, she's the ultimate, like, pointless uh, character in this film. You don't agree? No, well, again, I'm a big fan of Katana from the comics. Like, uh, I I own entire series of Katana comics. It's just, it's it's very different. It's very Japanese in style. Um, the the whole idea of her sword trapping people, like, it's, it's just, it's different from your typical superhero. So I was just excited she was in this movie. I don't really think she was necessary for the movie, other than to show we're not just going to fill this team out. We're not going to put Rick Flagg in there with 16 serial killers. We're going to put somebody in there for backup. But they had also used her on the TV show Arrow the year before this. So I think between those two, you probably get a proper Katana. You get to see her in action here, but you get the backstory on Arrow. I'd like to see them do something with Katana going forward that is not this, which you know they might do knowing some of the other projects they have in the works. I do like the helicopter again, just random Harley Quinn bits when she's talking to Diego and sort of like, if you like a girl, can you light up a cigarette with your pinky? (laughs) (laughs) That would be really classy. (laughs) And then I just love the line there when she gets there, when Katana comes on the helicopter and she's like, I'm Harley Quinn. It's nice to meet you. She seems nice. Oh, uh, and then just like when Croc's vomiting and is just on the thing. And then when they're flying on the city, she's like, oh, look at the little pretty lights. <laughs> just looking off into the... T- just love her so much. God damn it. Um, uh, then we obviously... This is the bit where you're saying before about when they're flying over the city. Like, oh, what are we doing here? Oh, you know, it's a terrorist attack. And this is when uh, Deadshot Will Smith's kind of like, oh, I'm a hitman, not a fireman. I don't save people. And this is when uh, Rick Flack has that great line, you're a serial killer who accepts credit cards. Yeah. Um, then I'll probably cap it just here as a helicopter, the first of many helicopter crashes uh, that we're about to see. <laughs> Again, uh, I think we mentioned this in Batman v Superman. The DCEU, not very nice to helicopters. <laughs> so if you're a fan of helicopters, don't watch these movies. Um, they crash, they survive. 
and then this is kind of uh, I'll cap it just here as um, as Slipknot gets killed. So uh, Captain Boomerang's talking to Slipknot, basically like, "Oh, it's a con! Like, don't believe them." Uh, they try to escape, but uh, then as Slipknot kind of does his thing, because I mean. I guess waste characters can't really say that Slipknot does much. He climbs up, punches a woman, and <laughs> then gets his head blown off. So um, <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess we can kind of cap there. I covered a fair bit, but um, we're in the city, and uh, people's heads are getting blown off. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot to add on uh, some of these scenes here, but I did want to talk about some of the smaller characters we get introduced here. Slipknot being one of them for two th- reasons. One, you mentioned, you know, Adam Beach that he was in your show Third Watch, which I might actually watch now that you keep mentioning all these great actors. Oh, it. seriously, like it's uh, just on a side note, and I'm not trying to just sell this, but like we're we're discovering slowly that there are very much esteemed actors in this show. They're like Helen Mirren's in it for, at one point. Like, uh, you know, so many decent actors are in this show that have gone on to really big things. Then you also got Gene Simmons and Wycliffe Gene, uh, Rosie O'Donnell in like two seconds worth, and Eve. Uh, but um, other than that, it's got some great actors. <laughs> well, I mean, Adam Beach is a fantastic actor, and it's almost sad that he doesn't get cast in bigger roles. He's interesting for me just because he's from my hometown of Winnipeg. I mean, he wasn't born in Winnipeg. You know, he's born in a smaller town, but he kind of got his break here in Winnipeg. And it's funny because he got his start doing some independent Canadian movies. And one of them was a fairly big hit here, mostly because it was uh, directed by one of the kids in the hall, but it got some attention in America. And that was such a big deal at the time for us to be like a Canadian movie is being noticed outside of Canada. This is such a big deal. And you know, he was the star of that movie. And then a few years later, you flash forward and he's, as I mentioned, starring with Nicholas Cage and wind talkers, you know, a John Woo movie. Like that was a huge deal. And it kind of like a local actor. You're like, well, I guess he kind of made it big. Uh, but it was really only a couple of years ago that I noticed he had opened his own acting school here in Winnipeg. And he's continuing <laughs> to make movies like Suicide Squad and everything else. But yet he still comes back here and runs an acting school, which is not in the best area of the city. But no, it would be fun to go check it out one of these days. Just meet Adam Beach, if nothing else. Yeah. Uh, but for the Slipknot character, every time we watch this movie, Jamie has the same complaint. She's like, oh, it was such a wasted opportunity having him in this movie. I mean, I'm not a huge Slipknot fan. I, I The band's pretty okay. And... They're better than 30 Seconds of Mars. <laughs> Anybody's better than 30 Seconds of Mars. Uh, <laughs> Fatty Essa is but... better than 30 Seconds of Mars. <laughs> but um, it's not like I'm a huge fan of this from comics. I kind of have to go back and see, do I even know him from anything? He kind of like appeared in a few series that I've read. But the idea of having this movie that David Ayer had was two things. One, he wanted the audience to realize any of these characters could die at any point. You know, this isn't going to be one of these movies where they're all going to live to the end. But more importantly, he needed the audience to buy into the fact that they couldn't just escape. You know, people talk about plot holes. Well, here's a, a creative way that they wrote around a plot hole without anybody realizing it. Because you would just be spending the whole time saying, well, why aren't they just trying to escape? You know, why are they just taking you know, their word for it? We're going to blow you up. Well, he put a character in there that says, we're going to have him run as soon as they get there, and we're going to have him die, you know, proving that these implants are real. That's the only way that you could ever explain why Harley Quinn and Deadshot and Killer Croc or whoever else or Diablo are not going to just run for their lives. So it is important to put in there, but it does feel wasted. Like, you want to see a little bit more of him. I think it would have been more effective, especially having the surprise of his character being killed, if he had an introduction even along the lines of what Killer Croc had, you know, just a throwaway, you know, thing of, 
him in his prison cell so you know this important character to have him sort of drop in and they have oh it's slipknot he can climb anything and he has that one line is like she had a mouth after he hit her and then he just escapes and dies like you're almost blinking like well i know adam beach was in this movie is he the guy who just died i can't even tell <laughs> it's there was probably a better way to handle his character but i get why he was in there uh, the other one to talk about here uh, is Katana, just because I said I was a big Katana fan. And I think you do need to have that character that it's, it's not just Rick Flagg and everybody else. You have somebody. I'm more interested to see whether she'll appear because Joss Whedon's working on the Batgirl movie now, which if you've only seen Alicia Silverstone, I'm so sorry. Because uh, Batgirl <laughs> is probably like the most complex character in the entire DC universe, at least right now over like the last few years. And I think there, there's definitely a place that Katana would fit in that based on like uh, her involvement in different, you know, group called the birds of prey. Uh, but I love Katana and I think they, at, least, at the very least they nail her look in this with the mask and everything. And that's something that you, know, you haven't seen arrow, but anybody who saw arrow when they put her in the mask, it just didn't look right for some reason. Uh, third one I want to talk about is incubus. Not the band, much better band than 30 Seconds of Mars or Slipknot. We've got lots of but, band uh, names in these, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. And how come Incubus and Slipknot and 30 Seconds of Mars are not on the soundtrack? That's the real reason Jared Leno <laughs> criticized the movie. Well, they they wouldn't fucking, put 30 Seconds of Mars in there. They have Panic at the Disco doing a cover of fucking uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, Bohemian which Rhapsody. is terrible. <laughs> the one bad song on the soundtrack, but uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... The guy who plays Incubus, I can't even pronounce his last name. He's Canadian as well. But the actor, Elaine, uh, he was on The Amazing Race Canada. I know I mentioned this to you before. Uh, I think it was season two or season three. uh, Probably season two, yeah. Uh, Him and his fiance at the time were on, and he proposed her on the race. And uh, I remember when we were covering season three of The Amazing Race Canada for our old podcast that I was contacting past contestants, getting them on. And they were one of the teams I reached out to. And he actually gave me a reply and said, you know, we'd love to do the show. Uh, it's like, I don't have a lot of... T- he, he made sure to stress, I'm really busy at the moment and I don't have a lot of time. But my fiance can come on for now if you want. And I contacted her and sadly she responded to me a year later and said, I'm so sorry I didn't notice this message. Do you still want to do an interview? So you spoke to <laughs> Incubus. <laughs> I did. I spoke to Incubus. Yeah, he wanted to do the interview with us, but he was too busy. And I remember at the time thinking... This guy's like a model. Like, how busy can he be? But he's attractive, when Colin. Squad came he's out, got, like, shit to do. <laughs> well, when, when Suicide Squad came out, like, it hadn't been spoiled. That was one of the big things when the movie came out. Is like, who's the villain in this? Nobody knows the villain. And he wasn't even allowed to tell people he was in this movie. He was never released as, like, an actor involved in it because they wanted to keep the villain secret. They knew they couldn't keep the Enchantress secret. Let's keep the brother secret. And so when this movie came out and I'm watching it, I'm like, is that a lane from The Amazing Race Canada? <laughs> and I had to go home and look you know, on IMDb afterwards. And as soon as I click on, I look up his name and there's immediately a story saying actor had to keep Suicide, Squ- Suicide Squad role secret for a year. <laughs> and when I looked at like when this movie filmed, I'm like, he was filming Suicide Squad when he told me he was too busy to do an interview. So to talk to his There you go. Perfect excuse. Why couldn't you get him on the show? Oh, he was filming Suicide. Okay. Fair enough. That's, that's yeah. okay. He was doing arm flails <laughs> with his sister. <laughs> the model duo of, um, of Midway City. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know how much we could even talk about him because he's not a major character. Uh, but I think they at least they come across as being intimidating and powerful. And having this team where nobody they have superpowers, but nothing that can really combat that. 
I like the Enchantress and Incubus as at least foes. I'm not going to say they're great villains. You know, we're talking about a movie that is built on the greatest villains, but your greatest villains are the heroes here. Maybe they could have come up with like a really iconic villain for them to fight, but I'm okay with them having just these few, uh, like Incubus and Enchantress. It was at least a nice surprise when you're watching it. It wasn't who you expected. Hey. Another line I want to mention when they're on the uh, first of all when they're all grouping together like you mentioned there's so many great lines they're not just Harley Quinn yeah but Deadshot has that one I, I mentioned about I like putting the suit on uh, when they're changing into the costumes and all that and Harley Quinn pulls out this weird jumpsuit and it's basically her comic book like her original comic book costume which yeah. is like a Joker costume yeah there's also that other moment where there's the the fantasy sequence you see her dancing with him in that. Uh, another cool nod to the comics that they had here. Uh, but yeah, the scene on the plane, so many great lines there from Margot Robbie, but the one you missed, which is probably my favorite one, which is where she introduced herself to Katana, she says, I love your perfume. What is it? The stench of death? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See, and that's the real oh, Brooklyn that's... accent. The stench of death. I can't do a Brooklyn yeah. accent. <laughs> Park your car, stench of death. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking whatever. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, and yeah, the serial killer takes credit cards. Like I, the exchanges between these characters are all good because you understand the characters. Like that line, "You're a serial killer that takes credit cards," and him trying to say, "You're no different than I am." Flag. At least in Deadshot's mind, they're the same person. Like he had, he said something like, "You know, don't pretend like you haven't been to the dark places." And Flag's like, "I have, but I'm different from you." Uh, I love all that stuff, and I think you can't give this movie credit for, oh, there's some good performances and then take away from the writing. We went through this with Batman Superman that people will be quick to jump on board and say, Ben Affleck was great. Gal Gadot was great. Jesse Eisenberg was okay at moments. <laughs> so on, so on. And then say, oh, but that's the only good thing about the movie. Well, the actors aren't good without the writing. And whatever you want to say about plot holes, like David Ayer writes some great dialogue in this. And that's kind of what he started. Like, his scripts for End of Watch and Harsh Times and Training Day, I mean, these are like Oscar-worthy scripts. And you definitely see a lot of great writing in this movie. And some of these lines, they're not things that anybody's going to come up with. And you're definitely not going to get this much depth in a Marvel movie. Now, am I saying this movie is deep? No, it's not. It's a pretty shallow movie. It's intended to be. But some of these lines, like you're a serial killer that takes credit cards, I mean, that says so much about the character without doing a lot. Uh, the crash and then the the Slipknot thing. I mean, this is kind of the beginning of a long line of sequences where it's just walking. This is yeah. almost what you would call the Lord of the Rings sequence here. So, but better. Um, yeah, <laughs> but yet it is funny that in some ways I feel like the strength of this movie is not the action, unlike Man of Steel and Batman and Superman. The strength is just in listening to the characters talk to each other. And I'll see a lot of complaints about this film is that people say, oh, there's, you know, it takes them forever. I think you might have mentioned it before. It takes them forever to get to things in this movie. I, I This is, again, another one of these movies that I barely looked at the timestamp. I got to the point, I'm like, oh, how long? Is it? Oh, cool. Still got, you know, 20 minutes to go. Just, it goes by quickly to me. And, like, when I only watched this recently on that plane trip, again, I, like, it made the trip go very quickly because I was enjoying the movie. Uh, so, like, I even the scenes when, like, they're walking and stuff, I don't necessarily... Um, you know, think that it's it's bad or anything along those lines. So, um, yeah, I I mean, I, I I enjoy it and kind of you know, I think kind of a lot of what we can do here in in a moment is obviously probably lump a lot of all this together. Um, but just one thing I'll add before we kind of move on with it is that I I also really like the line when Slipknot gets his head blown off and is it Harley's like, oh, now that's a killer app. Uh, <laughs> it's just like 
boom, head blown off. Um, good to see that joke went down well. Um, anyway. <laughs> Well, come on. Like, if people have been burning, maybe. Well, true. Get a bit of reaction out of me. True, true. I mean, well, I mean, you do have uh, some burning coming up very soon, uh, Colin. So oh, I'm looking forward to it. Get excited. Um, yeah, look, I think I, similar to what I just did then, a lot of these I can probably just lump together. I mean, as we just obviously talked about with the walking, we got some walking here. But, I mean, I like some of the, the conversation that's happening here, just kind of like with Deadshot and Harley, you know, and they're kind of... What are they, just like bonding, just the way he's like, I've written his stay evil doll face, and you're my friend too. It's like, ah, look at them, you know. Um, then we have, um, <laughs> we have uh, Boomerang trying to talk his way through and getting like punched by Croc, which um, I guess is pretty standard. Um, and then all of a sudden we get our first uh, fight really here with uh, Avocado Faces. Um, and I mean, look, there's, there's stuff to talk about here, but I mean, you know, I think kind of you touched on it before that maybe it's more about the talking in this movie rather than the action. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with this, um, fight sequence. It's just, I guess, pretty standard, really. Uh, you know, we get some random slow-mo, we get the, uh, pink unicorn thrown in there. We get that cool (laughs) shot of, uh, dead shot on the car, like kind of, you know, pew, 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 pew. Um, you know, just sort of like that. Uh, I like just kind of like the random scene of like uh, Captain Boomerang like having a drink in the middle of all of this. Um, you know, obviously we get uh, Rick Flagg getting dragged off, and this is kind of our first sign that oh, why do they always keep targeting him and not killing him? Um, but mm-hmm. of course, and I, I do like that kind of subtle moment where they're like, "Oh, let him kill him," and it's like if he dies, we die. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> so they've got to save him. Um, so yeah, I mean that that's kind of that's kind of cool. Um, and this is where we get sort of the, the cut between the uh, all the other soldiers and everybody else that are sort of in uh, the city that are getting turned into the weird avocado things, uh, where Cara Delevingne's got to wobble away into making out with them. Um, I mean, <laughs> like, is this really the best method into turning in soldiers, you know? <laughs> like... Well, I mean, I don't know if you've seen The Mummy with Tom Cruise yet, but The Mummy and that pretty much is the same thing. I mean, I figure if you've got... You know, a nice-looking woman as a super evil witch slash mummy slash something. <laughs> Might as well have her sucking somebody's face. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, valid point. But, uh, you know, at the same time, uh, why isn't Incubus doing this? You know, I'm sure there's some people who want to suck his well, face. <laughs> I mean, equal maybe, equal maybe quality, he, come on. <laughs> maybe he's sucking the, the women's faces and she's sucking the men's faces. Fair enough, equality, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> But what are these things? Are these things in the comics, or is this just made for the movie? I'm like, avoc- what are they even got a name? I just, they just look like avocados ah. with bodies. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I think they look kind of cool. I mean, the it's I guess your typical faceless villain. I mean, if you're doing a movie, this is where I'll talk a little bit more later on on you know this not being an R-rated movie and how I don't think it really matters with this, but. If you're going to get a PG rating or PG-13 or anything like that, I mean, there's a big difference between having a bunch of people shooting and killing people with faces and then shooting and killing people who are faceless, which is one of the reasons why, you know, in Star Wars, there's a tremendous amount of killing, but they're always either killing stormtroopers who look exactly the same or droids that look exactly the same. So it's it's just the age-old movie excuse of, you won't care about them if they don't have a face. 
<laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Which, again, you know, I know I always reference this point when we've done 007, now available via iTunes uh, and Stitcher, uh, that, like, just the Austin Powers bit when, you know, it's like, no one cares about the wife and the family of a henchman. It's like, well, I mean, you don't. You're just random people just getting mowed down. But, you know, where's the, the scene of Avocado Head's family? Like, you know, oh, <laughs> my poor little Avocado. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, these were people. Who knows? If it was possible, we'll find out at the end for the Enchantress to turn back into June Moon or archaeologist <laughs> Dr. June Moon. Whatever happened to businessman Troy Reagan or... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, let's let's be honest. So, Miller. Let, let's be honest. June Moon's name doesn't get any worse when she gets married. You know, June Flag. Uh, I mean, like she's been hit June with June Moon hyphen flag. I want we like you know we've got all these government meetings about oh let's you know stop the the threat Superman's dead all this sort of stuff. Are we going to just get like a coronial inquest into the amount of deaths that have happened on planet Earth in like the space of a couple of years since Superman and Batman and <laughs> Suicide Squad? I mean, there's millions of casualties in this world we talk about like the global fight on terrorism right now in real life where's the global fight on weed shit like (laughs) (laughs) everyone's just so casual yeah there 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 are probably consequences i don't know if they'll touch on it when we get to justice league or not but we do see in at least the post-credit scene there are some consequences to this and uh, i mean yeah there are certain things that you could say maybe they should have touched on the fact there's a lot of people dying here but at the same time, we're praising these DC movies for the fact that they're doing a lot more for showing us what the real world's response would be than Marvel yeah. ever gave us. Yeah, very true. Uh, now, after our great little makeout session in Avocados, they're still walking through the city. We get the scene, which is my profile picture currently at the moment, of Harley uh, Quinn looting, uh, bending over. You know, what's wrong with you people? We're the bad guys. It's what we do. Yeah. Now. Now, like, I hate how people like, complain, like, oh, they just have to over-reference the fact that they're bad guys or drop one-liners for the trailer. I mean, it... I don't think this is forced. Again, the only thing that I think is forced in this whole movie is like, we're what, some kind of suicide squad? Like, you know, everything else just seems so natural. And it's like, yeah, you can see why they're doing it, but it's, I don't know. I I just think that people, again, are complaining for complaining's sake. And it's a fun scene. Yeah, you saw it a hundred times in the trailer, but even then when you see it, I'm not just saying because you get to see her amazing ass. But, like, it's just a fun scene, the way, you know, because, again, they are bad guys. Of course they're going to probably steal shit as they're walking through the city. Yeah. You know? And... At the same time, you have to continue to tell this to the audience because they're so programmed to think a superhero movie is about the being heroes, and they are doing heroic things here. You know, they're saving Amanda Waller. I mean, maybe that's not so heroic when you you know <laughs> find out who they're saving or even what everybody's opinion is on her. Uh, and then later on, you know, they're stopping Incubus and Enchantress and everything. They have heroic moments, but you have to remind everybody these are still villains because that's the premise of this. And... People could say all they want. Oh, they're just cramming this down our throat. Audiences would forget. There are so many moments in this movie, and I've followed the comics, and I know some of these as villains even before they got to Suicide Squad. And there are moments in this movie where I'm like, oh, I like that because I started to think of them as a hero, at least for a moment. You have to at least be reminded of it because these characters may pop up again in other movies as villains. And you don't want you know to have the audience always cheering for Deadshot or uh, you know Captain Boomerang every time they come on screen. Which, I mean, do people, anyone cheer for Captain Boomerang? Even Australians don't. <laughs> oh, crikey, there's our superhero. We had a real-life superhero. His name was Steve Irwin. <laughs> He's not with us anymore. Um, 
Anyway. Probably wouldn't have fit in Suicide Squad. I mean, he could have wrestled Killer Croc. I reckon Croc. he would have. He would have been walking around the street yeah. Crikey, Harley, what are you doing over there? <laughs> Why did we never get the sequel to Crocodile Hunter Collision Course, Crocodile Hunter versus Killer Croc? Oh, when are we doing that movie? <laughs> oh, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something about that movie that's so terrible, but it's also so good. Like, I it's don't know, great. I don't know what to think of it. It's all like Kangaroo Jack. We're like, oh, my God, really? But what, like, you know, Crocodile Hunter movie, it's kind of like, this shouldn't be a thing. I shouldn't be liking it, but for some reason I do. You know, it's, yeah. it's like, this is going to be, you're going to laugh the shit off at me with what I'm about to say here. And fair enough, I deserve it. It's like the Spice Girls movie. It's like, what is this? Like, why what? are we watching this? It's terrible, but at some time I'm having fun. Roger Moore drives a bus uh, in it, doesn't he? No, that's Meatloaf. <laughs> Isn't Roger Moore in the, the Spice Girls movie? I think he is, yeah, but I'm sorry. I, I was with you on Crocodile Hunter Collision Course, but you've lost me now. I'm just, I'm just quoting this week's, um, you know, uh, notes from the middle aged gay men society. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's all good. Why am I middle aged? I'm not middle aged. Anyway, uh... well, how long do you plan to live for? Well, I don't know. Another five minutes if, you know, the fans of this are going to get listening. Ah, oh, Spice Girls, you had, you were starting to sell us on Suicide Squad. You brought up the Spice Girls. Bring out your torches. Um, so we get this scene here between Rick Flag and, and Deadshot. He's kind of like making him some promises about seeing his family and kid and all that sort of stuff. He wants to take a knee. Uh, which, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I just love it. That, this is mainly an America thing, right? Like, take a knee. Yeah. Um, I, I don't ever football. see that in Australian sport. <laughs> Take a knee, folks. Fuck off, Roger. Uh, just if you get that, well, somebody's kicking your head off. Yeah, exactly. So they're at the building. Uh, where we still don't know who's up there. Where they're trying to find out who they're trying to save in the city. Obviously, you get a Joker flashback here. We've gone through all of those. Um, but I do, I do like like Harley here, just walking through. Goes up to Croc and, would you like to eat me? Hmm. Um, yes. Um, <laughs> I don't remember that part. <laughs> but she's just basically, like, going on and, like, what is some... I don't even remember who it is who questions that. And it's like, why do you do that? It's like, oh, I'm bored. <laughs> you know, they're just warning you, like, she's a rabbit hole. Don't fall into it. I, I just kind of like that, you know. She's just one of these people that just deliberately going around doing that shit to cause trouble. I mean, I think we all know people like that, like in school and that sort of stuff. Like, there's no rhyme or reason to why they're a douche. They're just fucked up and bored, so they just go out of their way mm-hmm. to cause trouble. Um, but then we had this uh, the, the fight sequence in the building. Uh, I mean, it's great. I just love the way this is all shot, sort of in the dark. The elevator, the music's fantastic. Harley Quinn just kicks a major ass here, particularly in the elevator. Um, and, yeah, I just absolutely love this, this whole sequence. Again, we're not sort of talking so much about the action here, but this whole sequence here, which leads into uh, Diablo uh, all of a sudden turning into Colin's favourite person in the world, full-on... Yeah. <laughs> Burning um, man, um, which <laughs> full on burning man. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> that was his alternate name in the comics. Yeah. <laughs> they debated for a while. El Diablo went out, but full on burning man was at least in consideration. Yeah, I just and I love like Will Smith again using the trailer. 
uh, you know, finally Diablo just he lets loose. He's, he's been so calm. He's like, you know, look, I'm not doing anything. We've already kind of had a few scenes of like, oh, thanks for helping out. And he's like, oh, I'm not one of them. I'm not being that person. Will Smith gets him in there, burns everyone, basically. And this is the point where you're like, holy shit, Diablo is just the most powerful out of all of these guys. He can just kick everyone's ass. And, you know, just when Will Smith gets to the end and he's like, oh, man, I was just trying to get you there. You know, uh, we all good, though, right? Like, just, uh, I was trying to get you. Phil Jackson. Yeah, Phil Jackson. <laughs> we all good, right? Uh, just, 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 again, it's just Will Smith. He's just awesome. He can just, any scene, he can just, like, turn it into this bit. Uh, we just uh, I know we've kind of gone over the flashbacks with sort of with the joke of that, but I just wanted to make, pay special note here to the Harley one when she's, the whole one where she's, like, falling into that vat of whatever that water yeah. stuff is. Just the song there. I, again, we, we're probably going to talk a lot about the, the soundtrack at the end, but um, just just the, the way this is shot, the way she's, like, slow-mo falling down, um, it's just so incredible. Gangster by Kelani is the song, and I oh, just love that song so much. And it just, it really, really works well. Um, and this is kind of, we get a weird Harley dead shot scene. You've ever been in love? Um, it's, you know, kind of nice, I guess. And anyway, this all leads us up to the room. Here we are. They're at the uh, top secret door. Who are they extracting? Is it the president? Is it Batman? Is it the Flash? Is it Superman? Is he really alive? Maybe it's Tony Stark and he's the crossover we've all been dreaming of. No. It's got to be Jenny. It's, That's my it's Jenny. It's definitely Jenny. <laughs> and except we'd push her out of the building instead. Maybe it's Doug Stamper. He's finally there. We've lost him. No. It's Viola Davis as Amanda Waller. <laughs> Which, look, I mean, it's the first time I saw it, I didn't see this coming. Absolutely not at all. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> the second time, you know it's coming. So you're still like, oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's kind of cool. Like, going back to what I was saying before about, like, the um, sort of the timeline situation. Because, like, we've got all these shots that we with Rick Flagg and, and Amanda sort of talking to each other. And when you know where she is, you can kind of see the panic in her eyes and all that sort of stuff, can't you? You know, she's all like, mm. help out, help out. Um, so we kind of got this scene and in comes uh, Deadshot to discover that this is uh, who they're rescuing. Um and then this is, uh, you know, they're trying to get out of there. So she's basically telling them all, like, oh, quick, shut everything down, erase everything. And then just randomly, Amanda decides to just shoot the shit out of everyone. She just, you know, <laughs> full on turns um, Christopher Walken in A View to a Kill and just, you know, commits mass murder. Uh, I mean, like, this is a badass scene. And I love the way, like, what does Will Smith say? Like, oh, she's a mean lady or whatever her line is. What? Mean lady, yeah. Now, like, I love this scene because, again, this just sells Viola Davis's character as just such a badass. Like, holy fuck. And, like, you're kind of getting these lines here of, like, you know, because Rick Flagg sort of mentioning, like, you don't know what she's capable of. But, like, I don't want to sh- shoot down on this parade because I love this scene and I just love this character moment. But does she really need to kill them? Because, I mean, aren't they all, like, assigned to top secret detail here? And, like, you know, they're sworn to see. It's like people in Area 51 who see the aliens and shit. Like, I mean, oh, shit. We better kill them. Um, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, they probably wouldn't all fit on the helicopter and maybe she's saving them before they get killed. I, I don't understand. But, I mean, does she really need to kill them all here? No. Um, that's, <laughs> I think, one of the big plot holes I can't even come up with an explanation for. Because here's the thing. It's not an issue of, you know, well, they would already have the clearance for this. We don't know what she was doing. She could have just, you know, been having some type of regular business lunch and this was just her crew who was doing some work there maybe they're not even her crew maybe they're just random people but the problem is if you're going to go out of your way to kill all of them 
for what reason? Because they saw what was going on outside. They saw stuff to do with the Enchantress and Incubus and all that. There are a bunch of people in this city that you're now going to have to kill too. So what is your objective? If you have to kill those that are there to work with you, yeah. what about all the other people who have no government jobs, who have absolutely no clearance? You'd be killing them as well. So, But it is a great moment just to get over her character. And that line where uh, you know he says, that's one mean lady. I also just love the way the flag responds to it. It's like you get used to it. And it's the fact that they don't play it as a joke that I like. Because he could have very well just had that line and been like, ah, oh, you get used to it, and it's kind of like, ha, 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 you know? Instead, <laughs> Halle Berry it, he's just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> boom, boom, uh, instead, th- the way that he responds is more like, you know, he's actually been through this, and he's not like, oh, you get used to it. it it's just, it's so casual for him. It's like, yeah, she'll grow on you, you know? It, it's just, it doesn't bother him anymore, and it, I think that helps to sell Flag's character just as being this guy that, you know, he's, like where Deadshot said earlier, you've been to the dark places too, don't pretend like you haven't. And he goes, well, I'm a soldier. He justifies all this terrible stuff he sees because, you know, it's for the greater good or whatever. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And it's just, it's a shame to kind of have to, no pun intended, shoot down this scene because it's just, it's awesome. But, uh, yeah. Uh, and I just kind of like when they come out here and, you know, everyone discovers who they're rescuing and uh, Harley, what's their line say? Like, I like her. Um, and then they've got to go to the roof. They've got another helicopter. Oh, this helicopter's going to survive, well, isn't it? Just, just before we get there, I, I, I forgot about it for a second, but I, I wanted to bring up the thing where Harley Quinn has her moment and she's, you know, beating up all the avocado heads in the elevator and all that. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a, another funny moment where they're just like, well, how are we going to get up there? And she's like, oh, I'll take the elevator. She's like, hey, guys. <laughs> it's a great moment, but again, it makes me really question what the purpose is because she gets to the top of the elevator and everybody meets her there. And I mean, you could just look at that as a joke. It's like, well, she doesn't want to walk the stairs, but it, it felt like a bit of a cheap excuse to just show off her fighting because you don't get to see as much. You get to see a lot of her fighting, but how cool is it to watch Harley Quinn with a baseball bat yeah. when you're watching killer croc rip men's arms off and dead shot, you know, make every shot he takes is not as interesting. So it's an important scene to have so you really get to see what she brings to the table and how violent she is. But I almost feel like it's just, you know, a little bit cheap. Hey, this is our opportunity to show off Harley Quinn. And when everybody's at the top of, you know, the the floor already and she just meets them there, you kind of wonder, well, what was the point of that? They're very quick stair climbers, uh, meta-humans. And, like, also just one thing I'm going to point out, why are all the avocado heads just waiting in the air conditioning of this building? They're like, oh, guys, they're going to come. Let's just wait. <laughs> like, they just pop through the well, roof like, surprise! <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know, maybe this is sort of like the Dawn of the Dead movies. They just wander around aimlessly, you know, they have one who's just uh, walking into walls for an hour straight. Uh, other guys just like, that looks like it would be fun to climb into. You know that they're not turned in this building here. I mean, all of these avocado heads are turned by... Uh, the Enchantress. So what does she do? Does she, you know, stick her tongue down their throat and say, now go avocado heads, clean the ducks. <laughs> yes, we need to make sure the city is clean. Uh, I'd like, if, <laughs> why they just, they can get, they get to the air because kind of just break into this room where Violet Davis is and like, does, mm-hmm. does Cara Delevingne have to like do other things to them to make them stronger? Like a kiss just makes them a soldier, but like, I don't know. Does she, like, play with their dong and they become, like, super soldiers or something like that? I don't know. I'm just trying to be Ben at this point. Uh, I mentioned dong at some point in the episode. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, so they go to the roof, uh, helicopter, uh, on, but the helicopter is not landing the way they want it to land. What a shame, uh, because, oh no, it's been uh, hijacked by the Joker. Uh, here he is. Uh, everybody's favourite Joker, and he's got a minigun. Well, he doesn't. Another guy has a minigun. For some reason, that just doesn't kill everybody instantly. This is a fucking minigun, all right? Like, even stormtroopers with miniguns could probably kill a few uh, rebels, so clearly not. Um, And anyway, so he saves uh, Harley. I do like this scene. He's like, puddin'! And he, like, he purrs at her. Um, but then obviously we got the bit where she's dangling off the rope and, um, Amanda's telling Deadshot to shoot her, you know, I'll get, you'll get your kid and all that sort of stuff. Cause this is kind of really, isn't it? Where, um, this whole Rick flag deal, which I mean, is it a genuine deal? Do you think, or is he just saying that to make sure that he still stays on side? Cause I don't know. Is that ever explained or am I just dumb and I don't understand it? Which, which deal are you talking about? Well, like about? how he initially makes a deal, like Rick Flagg makes a deal with Deadshot to be like, look, you know, if you do this for me or you help me out, I'll make sure you get, oh, like you protect me or whatever, I'll make sure you get um, your daughter uh, and that. But then like, cause that, isn't there a bit here where he like goes back on it? Because this is when he realizes he's only rescuing uh, Amanda and not somebody else. So I don't know. Am I, am I just confused in the in the interpretation of what's going on here? I don't know. I know that a little bit later on in the movie, that's when he turns on him. But I mean, at this point, at least from what I can remember, Deadshot's the one who's intent. Let's protect him. And everybody else, is like, nah, we don't have to. And he's like, hey, but he'll kill us. Yeah. Remember, guys. Well, just I, I just question that because this is, of course, when like you know Amanda's saying like shoot her, and then that's when he's like, oh, I'll make sure you see your daughter in that again. So he's kind of got like two deals here. So then he's just like, oh, okay. So then he like shoots but misses. And what does he say? Like, I missed. Um, and then, yeah, so she sort of waves, goes up. This is the pudding and purring scene. Helicopter gets blown up again. Not a track record for the helicopters. Um, she falls up. Harley Quinn falls onto a roof and survives. Meanwhile, the helicopter with the Joker blows up. Uh, but I guess, as is the rule in movies and TV shows, you don't see a body. They're not necessarily dead. So, uh, yep. Uh, then another helicopter comes. It only saves... Amanda, like, there's room on that helicopter for other people. <laughs> Dick Amanda moment. <laughs> well, but do you want to trust her in close vicinity with Killer Croc and Harley Quinn and so on and so on? True. Well, it doesn't matter. The helicopter gets shot down anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, she sort of disappears for a little bit. Uh, meanwhile, just, there's just a whole bunch of different scenes here. I'm just lumping this all together before I sort of cap it. Uh, I mean, Harley's crying in the rain with a pudding necklace and throws it over. Um, Amanda's trying to shoot people. Um, they're on the ground. They uh, now find the book, the top secret book with uh, that was in the helicopter when they go to try and rescue her. And this is kind of, we get um, this big sort of, um, I guess, conversation between Rick Flagg and, and Deadshot. And we see this flashback of sort of where we were before of, um, you know, uh, June Moon getting taken over and Rick Flagg having to try and rescue Amanda. Uh, and then they all go to the bar, which uh, I guess I'll cap it at the bar. I like the bar scene. Um, yeah. You know, just <laughs> what is that dead shot when he gets pulled his little shot? What am I, 12? <laughs> so, you, know, <laughs> you know, Harley Quinn behind the bar. Uh, and then Diablo, what, what I can get for you, hun? So, oh, water. Now, that's a good idea. Um, 
just, I don't know. I just really like this scene. Um, and then, uh, yeah, when Rick Flagg comes in and obviously talks about, you know, the whole Jew Moon thing. Did you read about the part where I was sleeping with her? And they, I guess they kind of, you learn a little bit more about this. You get the flashback, which you would have loved, of Diablo burning his wife and his uh, <laughs> kids. <laughs> we get that little scene of that burning firewoman dancing in a glove, which is very James Bond. Um, and, yeah. I guess, and I'll just, the one bit I do love, I'll cap it here, I love the bit when they're all like going like, you know, outside, you're all very attractive, inside, you're beautiful, oh no, you're ugly, or whatever it is. You're ugly, yeah. And then We all are. Except for him, he's also ugly on the outside, and it's like, <laughs> not me, I'm beautiful. <laughs> not me, shorty, I'm beautiful. <laughs> I love that scene, I just love it, because it's like, he's like, dick moment, but he just, the way the crocs is like, not me, shorty. I'm beautiful. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I should mention, obviously, uh, you know, Rick Flagg and his whole speech, he breaks the little app thing there, which uh, we should I should have mentioned Harley Quinn got her um, neck thing removed, hence why they didn't blow her head off when she escaped. Uh, is it Harley Quinn who does it? Who does a runner? It's Croc who does a runner straight away, isn't it? As soon as they, like, break, he breaks the app, like, you're free to go. He just gets up and leaves. <laughs> I love that. Anyway, uh, there's a lot to cover there, but I, I think kind of, you know, that can all be lumped together pretty standardly. Uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, the few times that we saw everybody going after Rick Flagg, and I, I honestly interpret this when I first saw it as Rick Flagg, for, for being like the world's greatest soldier, he's kind of the world's worst soldier. Like, what would he do if the Suicide Squad was not there? <laughs> but that's why it's important to explain later on when they're on the roof uh, I think it's when they're on the roof with the helicopter, when they're all going after Flag again. It says, you know, they're they're going after him because they're scared of him or because she's scared of him. Yeah, and that they probably could have gone a little bit further with that in the story uh, because it's kind of dropped from that point on. But I still I like this idea that, you know, she can at least communicate with him. Now we know they were in the uh, the air vents for a reason <laughs> because she can communicate with them enough to be like, hey, take out the soldier. You know, he's the dangerous one. And I think that also shows that the Enchantress, like when June Moon turns into the Enchantress, she is just the Enchantress. And when she's June Moon, she's just June Moon. This isn't something where it's like, there's a little bit of June Moon on the inside. It's like, no, she's completely gone. But may, I mean, at the same time, maybe she isn't. Maybe in, in another you know, alternative cut or if David Ayer had had more time to work on the movie, they could have shown that more. But like, do you want a three hour Suicide Squad movie? Uh, I still though I like the fact that there's this fear of flag, and it's not just you know the faceless villains you know just mobbing the terrible soldier. Uh, the visual of the Joker. There are a few moments in this movie. People have often criticized Jared Leto for being not Joker enough, and I feel like in some ways he's more of a comic book Joker than we've ever seen before. Because the laugh, for one thing, he nailed that laugh. And everybody who has played the Joker puts a different spin on the laugh. But Jared Leto's got the laugh down. Mm. And then when you get that visual of him in the helicopter, and he's shooting the machine gun, and he's just laughing, you know, maniacally. And he's wearing a tuxedo with, like, a ridiculous bow tie. It's just such a Joker thing to do. And there there are a lot of moments in this movie where he really nails the Joker. Uh, I don't... I said at the beginning, I don't think that he's not in this movie enough. I, I... Go, go ahead and, you know, take up my challenge and count his screen time. He's in this movie almost as much as the main characters. But moments like that, I think I, that's what I take away from this when people try to criticize him. Like, yeah, but he had like some really great Joker moments here. 
the the other moment where Flag says, and I don't know if this is kind of where you're talking about the deal that they made, where you know Harley Quinn's getting away, and uh, I, I don't think it was Flag, but I think it was uh, Waller who said to him, "It's like you're a hitman. I have a contract on her. You know, this is what you do." And goes, "Oh, she's dead." You know, mm. <laughs> another one of those moments where people say well they're just hammering it in you that's a very subtle moment to show he's still a villain and even just the idea that he would let her get away you know he doesn't care about what carnage she's going to cause it's just you know i'm not going to mess with her you know she didn't do anything wrong for me uh the stuff on the ground with the binder okay so this is where i have another bit of an issue with the movie before (laughs) when they find this binder it is you could say well maybe some time has passed but it hasn't because you see everybody walk away, and Deadshot picks up the binder, and they're maybe 10 feet away, and Deadshot throws the binder and says, you tell them or I'm going to tell them. How quickly did he go through this top-secret binder? Because <laughs> he seems to know everything. It's like, Fade did you get down. to the part where I was sleeping with her? Yeah. It's like, did you get to the part where, you know, uh, she was a witch? Yeah. Did you get to the part where we have her heart? Yes. Did, did like, you get well... to the part where she doesn't like little puppies? <gasps> no! Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second, which page was that on? <laughs> but it's just, it's, it happens way too quick, and maybe it's bad editing. There was another scene in there, I don't know. But that just always bothered me how quickly he goes through it. But it's a moment that's important because the Rick Flag character, it, it's very tough to get a Rick Flag character over in a movie like this because he's not a villain, and he's not a particularly interesting guy. He's sort of the, in a way, he's the damsel in distress in this movie. You know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> what is the enchantress going to do to him? Uh, he's the one they have to protect. So they got flag again. They got flag again. <laughs> he, he really is. That's and a good every, point, actually. Yeah, he's the, Rick Flag is the damsel in distress Look in this at movie. These equality. Wow. Well done, movies. The yes. the bunky man is now the damsel in distress. <laughs> I guess kind of next movie, uh, Wonder Woman, sort of the same too, isn't it? In a way. So. Oh goodness uh, me, Jamie! Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you mentioned Chris Pine, Pine and she blows up. Yes. <laughs> Chris Pine. Ah! <laughs> Can we just one day do a count on how many sneezes Jamie has in the background of our episode? <laughs> She's not even anywhere near me. That just shows you how loud you know, her you sneezes are. I hope she can hear me. Jamie, you know, that sneeze, I would like it on Instagram. That's how good it was. <laughs> Everybody follow Jamie on Instagram. Just and like, like her. all of her <laughs> Just all you do. Like everything she posts. She loves it. <laughs> Um, when they're in the bar, I really love this scene too. I think the director's cut, and I don't know if you, that's the one you watched most recently, because I, I do think that line about, uh, I have the director's cut and unlike Batman v Superman, where that's the one I go to, that's my preferred version. Suicide Squad, it didn't add that much. It's mostly just a bunch of extra scenes with a Joker that don't really work. And then a few extra lines here and there. The bar scene runs a lot longer in the director's cut. I do remember that line in the trailer, though. It goes, just water. It goes, yeah, that's a good idea. And then they cut it from the theatrical cut. So if if you watched that recently, you're probably watching the director's I, I cut. I must have watched it. Well, yeah, because that was in the one I watched. So, and I like, I mean, un, unlike the Batman v Superman one where I think it was kind of, I went into it, it's like three hours. Like, this wasn't three hours the last time I saw it. It was this one, like, I didn't. But, I mean, I swear the one I watched on the plane, too, also did have the the water one like the water line so yeah yeah maybe they're putting the director's cut out there more or something i don't know but the scene is great because you get a little bit of everybody's characters you know not so much of katana uh she just sort of says i don't steal she likes to stab people she has stuff in her sword (laughs) yeah i want to say something else on katana here i mentioned i'm a big fan of katana from the comics 
I love they had her in this. I had no expectations. A lot of people, I think, with this movie, they just had such high expectations. And you have this many characters in a movie, it's easy to get high expectations and be like, oh, they didn't have enough of the Joker in there. Oh, I wish there was more of Killer Croc. And, you know, one or two Australians are like, hey, wasn't <laughs> Captain Boomerang supposed to be in this thing? <laughs> but with Katana, I'm not upset she was in the movie more. I was just glad they put such an obscure character like Katana in here. And I mentioned she was in the TV show Arrow where you get a little bit more of her character, but not as much of Katana in action. Weird thing when I was watching this, Casper barely responds if I have any type of you know live action stuff on. You know, he has his shows he watches. And other than that, he won't even he might look at a TV for a second, but no response. He started to pick up on both Superman and Supergirl their shield on their chest because maybe he just recognizes it from different clothes that he wears and I wear and He recognizes you know, my daddy have. Clark Kent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> daddy <laughs> Superman. But uh he sort of points at the TV with those and goes like, oh, Oh, that's sort of his noise. Like, oh, I recognize that one. For whatever <laughs> reason, noise. when Katana came on screen and started swinging her sword around, he starts shrieking. And I thought he was crying, like upset or something. And then I look and he's laughing hysterically. Like there's something about Katana. Of all characters, Katana captured a one and a half year old's attention more than any other character in the DC universe or that's Marvel what they were universe. going for. They're like, okay, guys, we need to really capture <laughs> our audience of one and a half year olds. I've got it, Katana. <laughs> this is Katana. Listen, she kills people who trust their souls with their sword. <laughs> Every 18 month old's dream <laughs> is a small Asian girl <laughs> with a sword and a mask with a red dot on her forehead yep. trapping people's souls. Completely agree. I, I will get him a Katana doll for Christmas this year. Do they <laughs> exist? <decided. laughs> yeah, I mean, those... Not, I don't know if it's Katana, like action figure or something, but they... You know, the little stuff things that you hang from your rearview mirror or whatever? They had those for all the Suicide Squad characters. Oh, okay. Well, I'll get him the Katana one. Yeah, sure. hang it from his crib. <laughs> Why not? But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get a little bit of everybody in the bar scene, which is fun. Um, the, the Killer Croc one, like you talked about, like, oh, I'm beautiful. <laughs> That's such a great moment. That's yeah, me. so few lines in this movie. <laughs> but yeah, like, you're, you're the disgusting, revolting guy in the back who thinks he's beautiful. That, that's, everyone says that. Like, oh, you're all uh, attractive on the outside, but on the inside, except for you, you're ugly. That, that's sad to me, you know. <laughs> so you're the guy that's like, you're ugly on the outside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm beautiful, except I'm not like, drinking beer. I'm eating like a piece of chicken or something. Like I'm beautiful. I'm Rick Flag, uh, chum down on chicken, <laughs> <laughs> looking out a window. <laughs> you know all the product placement that they complained about, in, like Batman v Superman, and there's next to none in this movie. Where was his KFC bucket when he was? <laughs> It's like the cookie monster, you know, rum, 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 rum. He's got, like, he's, you know, bucket of fried chicken, 20-piece feed. Rum, 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 rum. Down the can of Pepsi, some potato and gravy. Mmm, <laughs> KSC. Um, but the Diablo moment, I mean, that's really what this is about. And People can say all they want about, you know, they don't give enough to the Joker or stuff like that. Diablo is a character that... He gets just enough. And if you had more of him, it would be too much because he's a heavy character. And this is the complaint I want to say about people saying it wasn't R-rated. If you had shown this movie to me and said, this is an R-rated DC movie, I would have watched this and been like, wow, that's what an R-rated superhero movie looks like. But for whatever reason, 
people, they hear PG-13 and they just automatically decide, well, this movie's not dark enough. And then they'll go as far as to say, well, this movie's too dark, it's too violent. Well, what do you think an R-rated version would have been? <laughs> it's, it doesn't make sense to me that people will say, oh, they should have gone R-rated and say, oh, it was too dark and it was too violent. Like, and that's what an R-rated version would be. And we're kind of living in a new age. If this was, you know, the 80s or the 90s, you could tell what was an R-rated movie from what was a PG-13. Yeah. And now it's as simple as, you know, just one stabbing shot in Batman v Superman. Oh, there's our R-rating. You strip that one shot away and you have PG-13. Everything about this movie screams R-rated. There's not a moment here you want to take your kids to. And the Diablo story is a perfect example of that. Because the content is so mature and so dark that this should have gotten it an R-rating. And they handle it delicately by kind of not showing them burned. Oh, you know, uh, Colin was so humor. sad. <laughs> The, the the real comic relief is not Captain Boomerang. It's Diablo burning his way. Like, oh, look at this little child the burning the skin on the flesh. <laughs> oh, the little six-year-old's dead. Ah! I'm not that sick, people, but I am kind of sick. Uh, but <laughs> it's such a dark story, and I don't know if you have an opinion on that. And like, If you had watched this movie and somebody told you this is R-rated, would you have ever questioned it? No, I mean, I, I th- yeah, it's a good point because I think kind of if you analyze just the context of his story, you know, I mean, he's literally somebody who I think you summed it up very well there where you said you you get enough of him. What more could you have and you don't want to take anything away because you kind of weirdly root for him because you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, he feels bad for his crime, so he's a good guy. But all of a sudden it's like you see this story about him just getting angry and needlessly burning his family and small children to death. You're like, oh, okay, like, fuck you. Um, so, and also, I think you need to be restrained with his powers as well. Yeah, because while you have Deadshot and Harley Quinn out there and Killer Croc, and they can just do anything and they can fight nonstop, he's hanging in the background, not like Captain Boomerang because he's looking to steal stuff or just you know a coward. It's because he doesn't want to go there, and that's an interesting uh, direction they took the character. And they kind of gave him an entire story arc. A lot of these characters are being saved for. Well, we need them for a sequel. We need them for a spinoff. With him, they said, without making this movie about El Diablo, let's make this the El Diablo story. You get the beginning, middle, and end of him. You know, the backstory, well, this was his power. They say he was born with it, so it's not like he's made into a metahuman. That's, I don't know if they're ever going to explore that in future movies. Uh, but then you get the middle. Well, he's in prison, but he's so scarred by what he did uh, that he refuses to use his powers. And then you only see him use it really three times throughout the movie. The first time is just security footage showing the last time he used it. And then you get the one moment in the building that we saw, which was great. And you have this. But his, he's so powerful that you can't have him in the same room with Deadshot and Harley Quinn and have them matter. Yeah. So it was great that they used him in this movie because he's such a good character. But then also made sure to give him his ending. And I know we don't see a body, so who knows. But he's like the one really complete character we get in this movie. And I think they did such a good job with him. Yeah, I agree. I just like that reveal. And like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I actually have not seen any. I haven't seen X Men three, uh, so like, d- doesn't like Jean Grey ultimately yeah. become like the biggest powerful one out of all of them? Yeah. And like, I mean, having watched the first two, it's kind of like you don't really get a vibe of that. So it's kind of like <laughs> I like how you know you have this reveal of him being like the grand powerful master of this. Because I mean, again, as I mentioned before, like with his powers, he could just he could own this shit. You know, like he he yeah. is the the biggest most powerful one about all of them. So I like that. Own it. Own it. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Jesus, Colin getting very passionate there. When it comes to burning people, he's there. 
Own it, you burn people. I want this power. Casper, <laughs> go to sleep. Boom. Oh, shit. Jamie, it happened again. <laughs> the fire, sting- fire extinguisher. <laughs> um, There's a... Uh... Yeah. I don't know if you want to add anything else on El Diablo. Uh, no, I, I, I like him. I like El Diablo. Diablo. I keep calling him Diablo, but yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But I mean, yeah. I'm, who's the actor who plays him? He's good. Um, I mentioned him before, he didn't I? Is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's 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 just it's such an interesting character, as I said, because you know you really do find yourself rooting for him until kind of this scene when, and then all of a sudden you find yourself rooting for him again at the end. So I mean, it's I would be hard pressed to find a. A movie character like this, you know what I mean, where it, you, you kind of, you know he's bad, but you're rooting for him, and he's done such a terrible, terrible thing, but then you still sort of root for him at the end, so it's kind of, yeah. he's such a complex character that I, I would love to see, I mean, who could you, I don't even know who you could compare this to in other movies or TV shows. Yeah, it's unique, and you know, give the movie credit for that. They took a really dark character and somehow made him the most heroic of this group, and they did it by having him not really do anything. And that was the right way to go with the power, too. Because like you said, you watch X-Men sometimes, <clears throat> and not even like thinking Jean Grey. But you watch it, and you're like, well, do I really care that, you know, uh, what's a good example? Wolverine has claws, and it's like, sure, he can't <laughs> be hurt. But Professor X can just tell everybody right now to jump off a cliff, you know? Yeah. You have the characters that are so powerful that it makes the other ones meaningless. And they just they have the right balance with him in this. I think it really works. Uh, also, uh, one more thing to add on the whole uh, issue that people have with you know oh they keep hammering it in here that they're villains or whatever. The subtle ways they do that are very effective here, and those are probably the ones that people would never point out because they are subtle. And that's like where Flag is trying to pump everybody up, and he drops the letters. He goes, "Your daughter writes to you every day," yeah. and then he destroys the thing. And you see this look on Deadshot's face. And in a regular movie, you know he'd be like, "You shouldn't have done this." But I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna help you to end this thing. But they have that one middle moment where he's going up to him. It's like you had these the whole time, and you don't know what Deadshot's gonna do, and that's important for the character too because he is still a villain. So in reality, you're not gonna have this guy just be like, you know, I don't like it, but now I'll help you. He's like, he he really hesitates, and he's like, I probably should kill you right now. In fact, maybe I will kill you. Oh, maybe not. You know, it's just flip-flopping back and forth. Like, I love that. I just, I really also have some of the criticism, like, I've seen at this part of the movie. like, oh, as if he'd be walking around carrying them with him. I, I kind of think, well, yeah, he would be, because this gets him on side. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's well, a moment. Well, it's sort of. You know what I mean? But, like, he sort of needs but that. But also, is, is he walking around with it, or was this just with the binder in the down helicopter? Maybe. Yeah, I've just seen some people like, oh, it makes no sense. It's just a pl- convenient plot point that he's got them right at that, that point. And where are the others? It's like, okay, if she's been writing to him for however long he's been in jail, what does it say, like, every day? You know, he's been in there for two years. There's over 600 letters. I'm not just carrying around this fat yeah. suit on. Oh, don't mind me. Oh, Rick, you put on a bit of weight. <laughs> oh, there's a bit of a reveal I've got later on. <laughs> Oops, there's a letter. Just ignore that. Put that back in my pocket. <laughs> Just got to pay my bills later. Don't, don't pay no attention to the man with the over-inflated uh, jacket. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, I like that line. Uh, what does uh, Slipknot say? Like, oh, my daughter will know her daddy is a, not, not? <laughs> not a piece of shit or is a piece of shit. Or... It is not. not. And it wasn't Slipknot. It was Deadshot. <laughs> That too. Uh, <laughs> Slipknot, come on. My daughter, my daughter. You don't have a daughter, Slipknot. No head. My daughter. 
His neck's talking. <laughs> um, got head now. <laughs> he is. He's the avocado man. Um, but anyway, so um, this is kind of this is where the, the plan. I mean, I'll probably lump a whole lot of this sort of stuff towards the end here. So basically, um, we get this plan that they've left a charge, left a bomb back uh, at the building where. Um, where Cara Delevingne and uh, Incubus are. I'm just going to call it Cara Delevingne, the Antrantress. Um, so this can help them destroy them. I mean, look, the, the thing got to say here, I guess we need to bring it up. And, like, again, I like this movie, but as I said, it's a movie that has does have issues in it that you got to point out. I mean, you never really get a gist of what the hell the Enchantress's plan is. Like, yeah, we sort of get her saying, like, oh, I'm going to make everyone like me. Um, yeah. which, okay, cool. Uh, but I mean, that doesn't explain what your whole plan is. And why do we have a giant blue beam in the sky with debris around it? You know, again, I think, I think just well, like mo- movie studios have just shared this one like graphic they've got on like, okay, yeah. save funds on our special effects budget. Let's all agree. <laughs> all movie studios come together when it comes to a movie like this. The ending needs to have a blue beam in the sky with debris around it. Okay, Sony, you're good. Universal, yep, okay. Columbia, we're all fine. Marvel, DC, everyone, okay, awesome. <laughs> Locked in. Hollywood has the, the United Listen, Nations of Hollywood. <laughs> we're at odds right now. You know, Fox versus Universal versus this, that. East Coast versus West Coast. Marvel versus DC. Can we all just come together and agree that the world would be a better place if there was just freaking beams shooting off into the sky in every single movie? It's just, you just need a Dr. Evil scene in here. You know, I try to be gentle, but how hard is it to get freaking laser beams on freaking sharks? That's all I ask for, okay? <laughs> it's Harvey Weinstein. Um, <laughs> too soon. Um, but, like, yeah, we never really get an idea of what this plot is. Uh, why yeah, Why she does it. And, like, it's kind of like, oh, we've got a bomb, we can blow her up. Like, I mean... Like I, I, you've got to. I, it's kind of like at least with Doomsday, you know he's part Kryptonian, so okay, Kryptonite will work. Um, apparently, you can snap General Zod's neck and he'll die. Okay, um, but like you know, you at least kind of get an idea of how. Like they're just kind of guessing here, are they not? Like oh, a bomb probably would work. Yeah, a, a bomb. You're right. Yeah, let's the bomb. Crock, go underground. Get the bomb. <laughs> I mean, they're kind of just guessing at this point, aren't they? (laughs) I mean, in all honesty, that's what we'd probably be doing if we (laughs) were up against Enchantress and Incubus. It's like, just try whatever you can. Try a bomb. And if the bomb doesn't work, uh, then maybe, I don't know, a freaking laser beam or something. (laughs) Where's the second guessing here? Like, okay, guys, hang on a minute. Just before we get to the bomb, remember that moment when we tried to nuke Doomsday and Superman and it didn't work? (laughs) This could make her stronger. It worked with Doomsday. It just made yeah. him bigger. So, bomb might not work, but we'll try once. It's okay. <laughs> you know, trial and error. Note, if, <laughs> if we're... The whole idea is we need to protect the world against the threats of people like Zod and Doomsday. That's really where they're coming from. So who is, you know, go, going to be... Or who the next Superman is going to be? What are we going to do? Or who's going to protect us from the next Superman? We've seen that with Zod and Doomsday. Now, Zod can be killed by Superman... Obviously, Doomsday can too. But if a nuclear bomb does not kill Doomsday, at what point does the government sit down and say, listen, these supervillains that are out there that could potentially wipe out the world, 
Nukes don't do it. What's your next plan? Um, how about a girl in short shorts with a baseball bat <laughs> who's a little bit nuts? Done. You are a genius. This is plan B. <laughs> I mean, who is the president? Like we saw, we heard his voice in Batman v Superman. Uh, who is he? <laughs> like, is he meant to be Trump? It's Doug Stamper went. It's Doug, yeah, exactly. He finally got it. But, like, <laughs> it's like, okay, like, you know in, uh, oh, well, this is a weird reference point. I hate the movie. But anyway, you know in Independence Day 2, how, like, whole, yeah. since the alien attack, the world has kind of come together. There's no nations anymore. It's, oh, it's peacetime. Like, kind of going back to your point with the nuclear bomb. We know nuclear bombs can't destroy Kryptonians. Like, do we need countries in this world anymore? We're all fighting metahumans and all this other stuff. And, like, maybe this is just an ultimate at the end of the day. None of this sort of gets out to the media or anything like that sort of stuff. You know, it's not like uh, Man versus, uh, man of Steel. Man versus Steel. Man of, man of Steel. <laughs> when, you know, Zod's taking over the, the world and it's all in different languages. You know, we need your person who's, you know... No one gives a shit about Midway City in this world, let's be honest. Like, <laughs> Mid- Mid- Midway City's like the Detroit of uh, the world. Like, it's just there. <laughs> oh, what a shame. They've gone to shit. Oh, well, there's a waving arm model and a brother oh, model. We'll never get Eminem eight mile. <laughs> like, the avocado heads are taking over Midway City. <laughs> oh, no. There goes uh, America's, you know, auto industry. Uh, <laughs> so, like... Like, I just love... And if this is Midway City, where's Hawkman and Hawkgirl? If they're the only ones there, shouldn't they be saving the city? And where's Batman? Like, what's Batman doing that night? Can't he drive to Midway City? Like, we see him in a minute, like, at the end of the movie. (laughs) Like, you know? (laughs) Um, Anyway, just the questions in this movie. Stop... Stop uh, trying to rip it into it too much. Uh, we, we obviously, they come up with this plan. They've got the bombs still underground, so they're going to go to this, uh, I guess it's a subway station or wherever they are. Um, and essentially, kind of, we lead here to the uh, the climax. Uh, you know, we get a few nice little character scenes uh, here, sort of, when they're talking about, like, love and comparing it to, like, UFOs and just little just random things like that um and then yeah we get them in the subway we get the enchantress which again i really want to know who the voiceover is for cara delavine (laughs) i'm glad you are all here sneaky um (laughs) sneaky vanderzeel of course um (laughs) but like i love how like they sneak in Crocwalk goes underwater to get this bomb, but, like, she knows they're there? Like, how does that work? Like, is she just trolling them? I know you're there! Ha, 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 ha. Um, I, I like the way, though, like, she does, like, she's trying to get them on side, and, like, um, you know, she gives them their visions of what they really, really want, you know, and we see, like, obviously, uh, Deadshot with a vision of dead Batman, Harley and Joker just being domesticated. Little, little Harley housewife. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like little Harley housewife. It's kind of cute. Um, I love, like, Joker house husband who's still got his weird teeth and his, you know, hair. Like, he hasn't sort of, like, done himself up a bit more. Um, Diablo on the couch with his kids, um, just watching Letterman or something like that. I don't know, Letterman, Colbert. He's a villain because he's still a terrible husband. Yeah, yeah. His wife, this is his perfect dream. Do you want me to wait on you hand and foot, baby? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I do also like this, this bit there where um they like, they walk into the bit and Rick Flag sort of sees her and what does Deadshot say? You need to go in there and you need to slap her ass and tell her to knock this shit off. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's gonna go over too well. <laughs> 
Like, and like, again, I love the fact that there's complaints, oh, this bit's sexist. Like, for the love of God, it's just like, I don't even, like... He's a villain! He's a villain! Like, oh, even villains can't be sexist. No. <laughs> no. Oh, he's a rapist? And I love... Make it sure that he's a consensual rapist. That's sexist. <laughs> like, it's also, like, an incredibly powerful world-eating witch. And you want to pull the... She does not deserve to be objectified like that. She's killed many people. She has basically committed rape and turned half of the men in Midway City into avocado heads. Where's the outrage over her? It doesn't matter, Colin. She's a woman. It's all right. Fine. (laughs) That's a good point. She's like this evil, evil woman. No! Do not slap her on the ass! Sexist? Not take it. Sorry. Sorry. When you kill her, you're not allowed to hit her. That's sexist. All right? If we had just had that scene in there and she's like, hashtag me too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Enchantress on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Try to destroy the world, but objectified. (laughs) Never okay. Hashtag me too. (laughs) 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 Two men talk about women's issues on the Oz Network. It always goes well. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we get sort of the, the final scene here and uh, this is kind of when uh, El Diablo sort of uh, turns into devil man. <laughs> like <laughs> He turns into El Diablo. <laughs> and all fiery and shit up against uh, Incubus. Um, I, I do like the random line. I mean, okay, I will admit, this is a bit half-forced, but I still like the line. When Deadshot's like, Lady, you evil! <laughs> like, <what is> <laughs> Just the way that uh, says that underwater, we've got crocodiles stabbing avocado heads with the bomb and basically puts it underneath uh, Incubus and blows him up and Diablo. Oh, but is he really dead? We don't see a body. Um, and then I just, I, I do love the point uh, here where uh, Captain Boomerang has some really Australian moments. Get him, mate! <laughs> <laughs> That's all he does. <laughs> just speaks Australian in this final scene. Um, so, uh, Incubus is blown up, poor old, um, objectified, uh, Enchantress, brother! Uh, <laughs> but then, like, we kind of get this speech, like, I'll take over the world. Um, and- <laughs> I was going to say, you are not known for impressions, but your Enchantress may be the best impression we ever heard. I'll be honest, I was paid by DC to, I am the voice of Enchantress. <laughs> It's no, me. Yes. Hello. I did it. Yes. <laughs> I am Suicide Squad's the Entrancher's voice. Uh, blows up a satellite. Can I just point out, I love just the reaction of the control room here when, like, blows up the satellite. Everyone in the room's like, oh, no, not the satellite. What satellite is filming the satellite? Like- <laughs> <laughs> Jamie asked the same question. This is funny. She asked the same question to me. She's like, 
where are the cameras that just happen to be filming all these things? And I'm like, well, of course they'd have a camera in like a top secret military facility. Well, of course they'd have a camera, you know, out in the middle of the ocean. I never caught the fact that there's a camera filming space. <laughs> GoPro attached to something up there, just like <laughs> surveillance cameras on our security system. Now that we know they're aliens, there could be like, you know, graffiti artists from Krypton coming. Um, like, why? Can we just have Chris Hadfield up there floating through space with his guitar? Ground control to major. <laughs> it's a freaking laser beam taking the man up like satellite up. <laughs> I really hate Chris Hadfield. <laughs> <Boom>. <laughs> Meanwhile, I, I, I do love the fact then that we get like the one of the people in like the boardroom, like, that's our secret facility! How did she know about that? And then all of a sudden we just see Viola Davis, like, Matrix-style connected up to all these tubes. Um, which, okay, we, there we go, there she is. We haven't seen her in, like, 20 minutes. Um, and then, yeah, so we got this big fight, and then all of a sudden she's like, Enough of all who have faced me, you have earned my mercy. And it's like, oh, okay, like, why? Like, because they're just, like, throwing shit everywhere. It's like, oh, he's a redeeming part. Evil knows evil. And then what she's I mean, all like... she wants a team. You know, yeah. these avocado heads, they're not the brightest bunch. And then basically it's kind of like, join me or die. Um, <laughs> I do, I like Harley Quinn. She's basically like, oh, okay. And it's like, what are you doing? And it's like, well, what has everyone, you know, the world ever done for us? Who cares if it gets destroyed? Like, I lost my pudding. You can get him back, right? I promise. Um, <laughs> uh, I just, I just like Harley here. You know, I like what you're selling, lady. I can't do it. Park, yeah. park my car, selling lady. Um, and then basically, it all leads to the fact that she's Harley's been the troll here. She finds a knife in the ground, cuts her heart out, heart out. Um, and then we get like this slow motion scene of um, basically Deadshot trying to kill her. Uh, we get random little shit actress girl, Daddy, please don't do this. Um, because obviously, you know, she's trying to... I like how she can play... Like, I don't know if it's really explored that much, is it the fact that she can obviously give people visions of things that they want. Um, and then we go... I like this slow motion scene. I mean, this whole sequence at the end probably only goes for like five seconds. But uh, I do like it how it kind of, like, it's all slow motion and just like the, the looks on the faces and everything along those lines of music. Uh, blows up the Enchantress. Oh no, I'm being killed. Um, then she dies. And then the blue... Oh no, the laser beam stops. The rubble falls down. Um, and then basically, uh, they kill the Enchantress. Let me join my brother. Um, and... (laughs) Uh, <laughs> basically, but June comes back again because why not? All the avocado heads are probably going to come back again at some point. Um, and then we kind of get uh, Amanda comes back in. We get that great line, how are you not dead? Uh, and then she's kind of like, bitch Amanda, basically like, you all get 10 years off your prison sentence. Um, and then she's still threatening them with the neck thing in their bit, because, uh, what is it, Catch Boomerang's basically like, oh, 10 years off a, you know, multi-life sentence, that's not, not going to do much. Uh, and I'll cap it here, because kind of they're getting their requests, uh, Harvey wants an espresso machine, uh, Croc wants a BET, uh, <laughs> why not? Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll stop it just before we get to sort of the, the closing few scenes here, because I covered a fair bit there, so. Yeah, I, I mean... We can poke holes in the plan, but 
the one thing you got to give this movie credit for is they find a relevant thing for every person to do in this yeah. climax here. And it may be only a little bit, but the, you can't accuse this movie of just, th- other than Katana, you can't accuse this movie of just throwing characters in there just for the sake of throwing them in there. And for the most part, everybody has a place, you know, except for Captain Boomerang, because here's, when this movie finished opening night, I, originally my opinion was very different on Captain Boomerang. You know, I didn't mind Jai Courtney. I thought he was kind of funny in parts, but... I wonder, like, what is the point of him being in this movie? Do we ever see him do anything other than stroke his, you know, pink unicorn or whatever? <laughs> and there are two times I think we see him throw a boomerang in this movie. The first time is right before they sneak up on the Enchantress, where he throws it and it's got a camera attached to it. And then the second time, he throws a boomerang at Incubus, who just knocks it out of the air. And then you don't see him for the rest of the climax. I feel like that's a really good joke that maybe David Ayer didn't have enough footage or, you know, just had enough time in the movie to really pull off. Because this could have been Clifford Franklin, you know, behind the jukebox and the, the replacements with Keanu Reeves and Orlando <laughs> Jones. But instead, it almost feels like you get what the joke's supposed to be, but it's not sold well enough. Uh, but yet, I still like that joke. I like that he's just not even there the entire climax. And then when you do see him, after everything's said and done, well, everybody else is like, oh, June, you're alive. And they're <laughs> like, oh, Amanda, great, you're alive. And he's just like crouching and trying to pick up watches off the ground from all the, you know, dead corpses <laughs> that are littering around this place. It's a funny joke. It's just we don't really get enough of it. But the climax gives good place for everybody. Killer Croc's fantastic. And you do have to watch it very closely. Maybe an extra 10 minutes of screen time with this movie if they had just focused more on the climax and giving you a little bit more longer pieces of action would have helped the movie a bit. But. I love those few moments of Killer Croc underwater, just like strangling men and everything. And, you know, when he has his brief fight with Incubus is fantastic. But it really is all Diablo. I mean, this is where you see how his power is put to use. And when he turns into El Diablo, it's also kind of a nice moment. And yeah, it's cheesy. But this movie gets so much criticism for being cheesy. And then people ignore that every comic movie is cheesy because it's supposed to be cheesy. That moment where he's like... He snaps. He's like, I lost one family. I'm not going to lose another. It's kind of like a nice moment. Yeah. And you don't really get that they're a family or anything, but like you get behind his character. That's like his hero moment. And him going up against Incubus is just a fantastic battle, even though it's just two guys shooting flames at each other, basically. I love it. And it is sad that, you know, Diablo is gone. But at the same time, I feel like, as I said earlier, we get the proper conclusion with his character. There's really no mourning Diablo, though. I mean, there maybe could have been a moment where they picked up, like, you know, uh, a charred piece of, you know, face tattoo or something that didn't burn entirely. (laughs) I'm just going to keep this next to my heart and slip in their pocket or something. But, yeah, he's kind of just, yeah, Diablo's gone. Uh, Maybe there's another minor thing I would have done different here. Uh, I wanted to mention also the, um, the Task Force X theme. Now... We've talked a lot about the soundtrack in this and mentioned pretty much every song. You know, the soundtrack was huge, but I think we should also give credit to the original score of this movie, too, because there's two soundtracks. Yeah. And it's not the greatest score ever, but, like, Stephen Price, who did the music for this, he, uh, I think, most notably did um, Gravity, the Sandra Bullock, uh, George Clooney movie, where he won the Academy Award for Best Original Score. Such a unique sound. And in this, you don't get that big heroic theme much, but when you do get it, especially that moment where Diablo's fighting, it's just it's such a heroic theme. And I think people should just, even if you don't want to listen to a whole soundtrack, go out of your way to listen to the Task Force X theme Agreed. from this movie. Because it's, it's 
borderline iconic for a superhero movie. And this is one thing where I think DC does get a lot more credit than Marvel is that Marvel's scores for their movies are pretty forgettable. I mean, outside of, I think, maybe the first Captain America movie, can anybody hum a theme from any Marvel superhero movie? Um, uh, I can't even think Iron of Iron Man. Iron Man does yeah. <laughs> whatever an Iron Man... I don't know. Yeah. Close enough. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's really no iconic themes. And there are good themes in this. And obviously, we talked a ton about the Man of Steel and Batman, especially the Dawn of Justice score. Just incredible. And I'm excited for the Justice League one coming out, too. But yeah, the music's great in here, too. And it's used subtly. Um, the uh, What's the line here? Oh, yeah, where Killer Croc... Um, I'm trying to think of what he says where, where he goes up to the SEALs and they're like, it's okay, we got this. And he says, uh, you know, uh, you, you guys are all tourists. I live underground. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I... Okay, I mean, he has so few lines in this movie, but he just delivers everyone with so pretty much... Pretty much what you said. I mean, like, it's uh, it's on that. I don't have the exact one written down, but I know what you're talking about. Mm. Uh, another good line in this, uh, the one that Harley Quinn has, or I don't even think it's her line, but... Uh, they're referring to, um, I think, the Enchantress. It was like Rick Flagg and Deadshot talking. And he goes, so that's your girl? It's like, yeah, you know what they say about the crazy ones? And Harley Quinn's like staring off into space and she just goes, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of really funny moments in here. The Enchantress fantasies are hilarious too because what we see, again, it builds for a bit of a heroic moment for all these characters, especially Diablo being the one to break out of it and saying it's not real. You know, his fantasy I mentioned earlier, he kind of still is this terrible husband. Deadshot, you know, he's like, oh, it's not about, oh, I've got my daughter. It's like, I killed Batman. Like, his greatest wish is not to live happily ever after or provide for his daughter. His greatest wish is that Batman dies, so he's still a villain. You know, Harley Quinn, little Harley housewife, like you said, we don't get any fantasies for Captain Boomerang. And racist why against that? Australians. <laughs> Well, in all honesty, what were we going to... I thought to myself, Robbing what banks would in we New have Zealand. seen? <laughs> well, I was thinking more, you know, Jai Courtney riding on the back of a, a pink unicorn. Whee! Like, <laughs> it probably would have been the tone. It's just a Jai Courtney thing. one. The Academy Award goes yeah. to Jai Courtney. Oh, crikey, mate! Bloody hell, finally! Or it would have been like a standing ovation on opening night of Terminator Genesis or something. <laughs> it's, it's a <laughs> something movie, it's a movie critic going, you know what? I actually think that he was good in Terminator Genesis. Oh. <laughs> or just every critic in the world. We care about Jai Courtney. We Give were us wrong. more Jai Courtney. Jai Courtney is a yeah. thing. <laughs> he is a thing. <laughs> Chris Hemsworth, who? Hugh Jackman, who? <laughs> Jai Courtney, greatest actor to ever come from Australia. <laughs> Um, do I have anything else on here? Uh, well, I don't even know. Oh, yeah, where he throws the boomerang. That's all we really see him do. Why is uh, it a camera? Like, vid- how does, that's not how boomerangs work. There's a scene where he says, like, when he throws uh, a boomerang, and he says, like, oh, that's how they work, mate. At this point, it's just I a mean, drone. <laughs> yeah, if the, the idea of Captain Boomerang is that you know, they're all little gadgets. It's not just I throw boomerangs. You know, one may be a bomb. One may... You know, have some type of EMP on it. Another one may be a camera. We don't really get enough of that in this movie. We don't know why he's there. We don't know what the boomerangs do for him. But, I mean, you're right. It, they, they didn't need a boomerang to do this. I'm sure there was a drone in that downed helicopter or something. Um, I, I will mention the whole taking out the satellite thing and the beam. I, I'm not going to excuse the movie for not building this enough because I think that is an issue. But it all is explained, if you really think about it, where... 
her and Incubus are talking about, you know, they no longer worship us. And the idea is they're going to take everything out. And, of course, connecting to Waller is how they do this. But first of all, you have to ask, if they had not connected to Waller, what do they plan to do with this beam? Because the whole point of the beam is we can use this to destroy all of their technology, destroy the satellites, destroy their military, make them weak so that we are the gods again. But if they don't get Waller, there's no reason for it. What are they going to do? Plug into you know, business banker man, Troy Henderson or whatever I said his name was. And then it's like, we're going to make some irrational bids on the stock markets. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. There's, yeah, <laughs> there's really nothing. I will cancel your tax-free savings account. No, <laughs> bring in the Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> they accomplished nothing without Waller. Um, skipping ahead a little bit, just talking about, you know, the final moments of Waller here. When she comes up, she's underwater for all this. When she comes up five minutes later, why she dries a bone? Because <laughs> in trenches, I have mad drying skills. <laughs> drying mode on. Jacket <laughs> drying. <laughs> jacket drying. Your jacket is now dry. It's now dry. <laughs> it's just, that's, of all the things people complain about this movie. That's the one they should be complaining about the most. Why yes, is Amanda dry? Yeah. How can... Deadshot read through a binder that quickly, and why is Amanda Waller dry? This is bullshit. Plot holes. Bin it. Stupid movie. It, it is. It's also a little bit confusing, and this. It's. I almost feel bad because I've been a big defender of Suicide Squad, and I think the second half of this movie, I'm picking a lot of holes in. But the whole thing with the Enchantress, I love the way it plays out. I think that she's a good villain, even if she's kind of weird. She's a good villain uh, because you want her to die, <laughs> for one. But they do drag out her death a little bit, you know. Okay, her brother's dead. Now, first, how is her brother dead? If you have to kill her heart, Incubus is arguably more powerful just because when her heart was being stabbed earlier in the movie, he kind of does something to her which preserves her, but yet he can just be blown up. So why can't they just say, hey, throw a grenade at her and just blow her up? No, we have to take out her heart. So they take out her heart, and I love the moment where she goes up and like, I like what you're selling, lady, and then... She cuts it out with Katana Sword. Like, everybody gets that moment. She cuts out with Katana Sword. Deadshot gets to take the shot. Flag, you know, throws the explosive to Killer Croc. Killer Croc throws it to her. All this. But then she's still not dead. And they have another moment where she's just Enchantress again. It's like, bring her back. No, she's not coming back. Bring her back. And how many times do they go on with this? Like, I said, bring her back. Nope, not going to happen. And then finally, stabs her in the heart. Well, now she's finally gone. And then we have another moment where June comes back. But where did June go all of a sudden? Like she's encased in, it's kind of like a Ghostbusters thing where she's encased in something. But if that were the, if, if she were encased in anything, you think it would be in the Enchantress's body. But yet she's like 20 feet away. And yet she still has the Enchantress headpiece on. So like, did she separate into two Enchantresses? I honestly don't understand it. Yeah, I, I don't either. And I like how you're kind of there in that last scene when they're like, you know, Rick Flag throws this and... Uh, Katana's doing this, and then meanwhile, Captain Boomerang's full-on Batman mode from Batman v Superman. He's just watching it, you know, Captain Boomerang yeah. blog. <laughs> yeah, crikey. Yeah, boomerang blog. <laughs> Rivaling Bat blog. He's Boomerang blog. Uh, did you want you want to talk about the final scene separately, yeah, right? Yeah, so, I mean, I'll just lump these in, and yeah. I'll also include well, the... Well, I'll the, just... Yeah. One yeah. other thing just to add on here is another line that kind of bothers me that the Enchantress has where Flag's threatening to stab the heart, and she goes, you don't have the balls. Okay, she's a witch who's been asleep for hundreds of years, and we've already established, when she's the Enchantress, she's Enchantress. When she's June Moon, she's June Moon. Where did she pick up the lingo, like, you don't have the balls? 
They or love, was this something they were saying 600 years ago? They love the balls back in our ancient times. It was all about the balls. Uh, <laughs> I love a good pair of balls. Uh, <laughs> we said balls, not dong. Dong and balls. I'm going to draw a dong and balls <laughs> on the wall. Um, so anyway, so from here, kind of everything's done. No one gives a shit about Midway City. Um, <laughs> so he, uh, dead shots with his shit little daughter. Uh <laughs> God, she's annoying. They're working out um, bullet variables. Like, what is, like, mm. you know, teaching a daughter, oh, if you shoot this person, you'll do this, you'll do that. And oh, it's sweet. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, I, I get it. I'm not that cold, but this daughter gives me the shits. Um, <laughs> and then we get Bohemian Rhapsody playing. We get the coffee scene here with Harley drinking her, uh, her espresso machine. We've got, um, <laughs> we've got Croc. Watching Pitbull and eating a sandwich. <laughs> Pretty standard crocodile activity there. Um, Deadshot punching a bag. Um, and then we're back with Harley. The wall explodes. And who's there? The Joker. I love how he's got Joker written on his chest. Um, <laughs> sl- sl- and he's, he ends it with, let's go home before we get to the credits. And before I want to talk about the credits separately, because, I mean, again, just kind of need to slightly nitpick at this scene. Um... If it was this easy for him to break her out of jail, why didn't he do it in the first place? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, does, does she get less security now? Like, was Griggs the man behind the, the top-notch security in this facility? So now, likely, yeah. like, that's why he's gone now, so they've just relaxed the security a little bit. Where is Griggs? What happened to him? Like, the last we saw of him was giving the phone to Harley. Like, did he die? Is he... Are we waiting for the Griggs spin-off? Like, where's Griggs? Oh, please. Yeah. Let's Griggs bring back. Griggs back. Yeah. But I, I do like the way it sort of ends in Let's Go Home, and then we get Heathens. Oh, God, what a song. Uh, and I love just the graphics and the colours that come in these credits. Just when you see the actor's name, and it's kind of got, like, you know, the little graphics around their name floating around it. It's just... Oh, it's just so good. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's uh, maybe you're a movie buff too. Hence why we're doing a TV and movie podcast. But like, I, I just like sometimes when you have like unique credits. You know what I mean? Like they go yeah. out of their way to kind of do something a little bit different. Because I mean, I think maybe in this day and age, people will say and watch the credits a little bit more. Because I guess the Marvel effect. I guess you would say the post credit scene, uh, which we'll get to one here, of course, in a second. But I, I always tend to say a fair bit into the credits. I like to find the funny names in the credits, yeah. but it's not even that. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's just I just like it when they do it a little bit differently, and I, I just love the 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 colours, the neon colours, and just the style and the graphics here. And you know, as somebody who's an esteemed film creator myself, uh, I always like going out of my way to kind of you know do something a little bit different with the credits, and I just I just love the way they do this. Um, and again, Heathens, just what a song. Again, we'll talk about the soundtrack in just a moment, but the post credits scene, the only post credit scene we have in the DCEU at this stage, at least. We don't know what's going to happen with Justice League. But we have, um, Amanda, and here he is. It's, it's Ben Affleck, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> aka Batman. And this is kind of obviously the setup, isn't it, for, uh, Justice League? Because, I mean, yeah. I, I kind of think maybe that, yeah, I know I've said a few things here about, well, why isn't the Flash saving this world? Why isn't ba- uh, Batman doing it? I guess this is the explanation. This is like, okay, well, we tried them. Fair enough. They did their job. They stopped this one. But what are we going to do for the next one? And this is kind of Batman basically saying, like, well, I've got an idea. So he's going through this thing. We see Aquaman. We see Flash, you know, setting us up for Justice League. Um, yeah. I, I, I like... What does he say? Like, I like to make friends. And he's like, you look tired. You should stop working nights. 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I just kind of like that line, but yeah, I, I, I like I, this. I missed the line. What was her line in that scene? Something about uh, you're trying to make friends and I'm trying to get leverage or something. Such a good line. Yeah, I, I didn't write that one down, but um, yeah, it's uh, well, trust me, it's there, Ben. No, well, I don't trust you. No, uh, I was gonna call you Noah, uh, Colin. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a great, it's a great scene. Uh, I love it, and uh, yeah, that's Suicide Squad. Yeah, that is Suicide Squad. I don't know if you had anything to add on those scenes or... Yeah, I mean, it's it's a fun way to end the movie. And this movie, which is criticized for being so dark, they have a lot of humor in here. And even just the things they ask for in the end, you know, you get the nice scene with Deadshot and his daughter and she's talking about killing people in there. Uh, and then Har- just the idea of Harley Quinn on caffeine is hilarious. <laughs> uh, but the BET thing's funny. And, of course, Captain Boomerang just basically saying, you know, no. It's like, I, I want, like, no prison time. And they just say, all right, fine, just lock him up. They don't even give him a shirt. Like, you basically just throw him naked into a cage. and Let me out of here, please. I'm a good driver. If you have a car, I'll get us out of here. It's just such a fun way to end his character. Because that's where I was saying it, kind of the joke that they just didn't do enough to sell with Captain Boomerang. But it's still fun. And the, the Joker ending, I think the only problem I have with this is not, why didn't he get out earlier? I think the idea is that you want to bring, you want to remind the audience the Joker's still around. Yeah, you want to set up the potential Harley Quinn Joker movie, which is probably where they're going. But the issue I have with this is more that it's the exact same ending from X Men First Class. I don't know if you ever saw X Men First Class. No, I've only seen X One and X Two. That's a sad fact that I haven't seen. Okay, those, but yeah. Well, First Class, which is a great movie, it, you know, it basically ends with Emma Frost, who's now been thrown into prison, and uh, I think it was Magneto breaks in to break her out. And she basically asks what his name. He goes, I'm Magneto or whatever. It's the exact same ending with this. And I think that's just a minor complaint I have taking a little bit away from what would have been otherwise a good ending. But I'll, I'll agree with you as well. The the credits is just, I love watching these credits. And I could watch just the credits on YouTube just for the fun of it. It's so colorful. It's so unique. The fact that every character has their own graphics. You know, you got the Deadshot mask in his. You got the knives all around the Joker. It's a lot of fun, and the soundtrack's amazing. The, the oh. post-credit scene, uh, obviously, as you said, setting up the Justice League. I don't know what he was getting there. I mean, the idea at the end of Batman v Superman is that we need to find the others like us, and then obviously he's got the uh, you know AVI files of uh, whatever they do. But what is this that Waller has information on her? So has she been keeping track of all metahumans? Uh, how much does she know? Why isn't she trying to recruit them instead of recruiting these you know, very uh, erratic criminals? I don't understand, but it, come on, Ben Affleck. It's great to have Ben Affleck. And Ben Affleck and Viola Davis, let's just put them in another movie together. Like, oh, I know that Viola Davis is not comedy. going to be... Yeah, exactly. Fifty Shades of Grey style. Not... <laughs> yes, please. Viola, save the contract. <laughs> Ben Affleck and Viola Davis, Fifty Shades of Gotham, please. Yeah. Um, except except but, Viola Davis is the Dom. It's just a what? The person in control. So, so you know that sub oh, Dom okay. relationship, Collins, there's somebody in control <laughs> and somebody who is not in control. So oh, okay. um, flipping it. it around from Fifty Shades of Grey where the woman's the sub and yeah. the man's the Dom, this time around Viola Davis. Okay, with sexual education here on the Oz Network once again. I love Thank the fact you. that I yeah. didn't know if you were joking. You literally were like, what? Like, that was the hey, thing I, I was going to play along with it. You didn't know. <laughs> no, I'm like, okay, thanks. I appreciate it. Jamie's definitely um, the Dom. <laughs> 
Let's not go there. Uh, Tie yourself up, Colin. <laughs> but just to close it out, yeah, it's a fun <laughs> ending to a fun movie. Uh, let's get on with it. Yeah, uh, you know, the weirdest thing is, this is going to be our shortest one of the DCU <laughs> so far. Which I guess, okay, fair enough. I mean, it's probably a lot more to gel over this one. Um, but I mean, it's still, it's not to take away from it, but just, um, a few things to touch on. So in terms of, uh, I guess we can go awards. We don't really have a lot of awards on the other ones, but I think there's, there's important ones to note for Suicide Squad. This is an Academy Award winning film, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yes. I think the fact that when the Oscars this year, through all the talk, uh, this year to date at 2017, um, with all kind of, you know, the best picture controversy that happened, uh, you know, with Moonlight and uh, La La Land. I think that the next biggest controversial thing that came out of it were people like, oh my God, Suicide Squad won an Oscar. Uh, so it won Best Makeup and Hairstyling, the one everybody fights for, of course. Um, <laughs> for <laughs> Alessandro Bellatazzi, Giorgio Gregorini, and Christopher Nelson, I can pronounce that one. Um, but it beat out, what did it beat out here, if I can quickly scroll through... Uh, the awards, this is great podcasting, it beat out A Man Called Ove and Star Trek Beyond. What? So, um, so two movies. Have you, have you seen A Man Called Ove? <laughs> no. <laughs> a Swedish uh-huh. comedy drama film which was released in cinemas in Sweden. Um, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> everyone's Googling that right now. So in all fairness, yeah. not, not the tightest category, but, um, it still won an Academy I, Award. What is the makeup here, it just looks like an old man, unless this was played by you know, Chris Pine or something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, other ones that won, it won the Critics' Choice Award for Best Actress in a Movie for Margot Robbie. Uh, the Hollywood Music and Media Awards, the soundtrack, won the, uh, the the award there for Best Soundtrack Album. I mean, a few here. Some of the ones that was, I mean, it was nominated for two Razzies. Uh, Jared Leto, Worst Supporting Actor, Worst Screenplay for David uh, Ayer. Uh, can we just point out, though, that um, the Worst Supporting Actor category, Jared Leto, actually beaten by Jesse Eisenberg for Batman v Superman. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Batman v Superman, we didn't even touch that. That won a shitload of gra- uh, Grammys. Uh, probably did. A uh, shitload of <laughs> Razzies. That won Worst Screenplay. It won Worst Prequel Remake or Ripoff. Worst Screen Combo for Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill. Really? Um, but anyway, there was that. Um, and <laughs> I love this one here that it was nominated for. In the Alliance of Women Film Journalists, it was nominated for the Hall of Shame for David Ayer and Margot Robbie and Actress Most in Need of a New Agent, Margot Robbie. Sure, take away the she film gets- that probably most made her. Uh- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. And she's the one who receives the most praise for this movie, and they're like, what a shame. The Alliance of Women Film Journalists. Really? You can drop dead Alliance Film Journalist Women, whatever. Um, it was nominated for some Grammys for the soundtrack. A lot of things there. Uh, and also won the oh, the esteemed Nickelodeon's Kids' Choice Award for Favourite Soundtrack. Uh, it won that one. Um, box office-wise, uh, it, it did well. Uh, $325 uh, million domestically. So uh, that obviously is a lot of money. Uh, globally, $745 million. So again, as we've touched on a lot of these, they're not unsuccessful, the DC Universe. I mean, if you look at the four of these films that we're covering, Suicide Squad is the third most successful. Uh, it only made $5 million less than Batman v Superman, and it made uh, nearly $30 million more than Man of Steel. 
So again, it's not like these aren't not aren't successful. These films we already touched on that obviously previously. And on the grand scheme of things, if you're looking at just DC Comics, not the DC EU, but all the movies based on DC Comics uh, movies, which according to this list we've got 29 of them, uh, Suicide Squad was fifth on that. So I mean, this made more money than you know the original Batman, Batman Begins, Superman Returns, Batman Forever, the Lego Batman movie. Um, you know, so, I mean, again, not exactly, uh, unsuccessful on that side of things. Uh, critically though, obviously that's where it, uh, takes a, a little bit of a hit. Um, currently has only 26% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's very low. Um, 4.7 out of 10, a weighted average. The site's critical consensus says Suicide Squad boasts a talented cast and a little more humour than previous DCEU universe efforts. They aren't enough to save a disappointing end result in a muddled plot, thinly written characters and choppy directing. Has 40 out of 100 on Metacritic. Uh, Peter Travers, our bestie, says DC Comics tries something different with Suicide Squad, an all-star collection of crime-fighting villains, and the result is anything but super. Go fuck yourself, Peter Travers. Um, Like, do you critics out there really believe that this movie was worse than something like Spider-Man 3? Well, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I like Spider-Man they 3. They can drop dead, too. I like Spider-Man 3, but I would watch this over Spider-Man 3. Um, yeah, thank- so that's Ben Waterworth's valid opinion. Um, but yeah, I mean, out of all the, uh, the DCEU ones here, if you look at them overall... Uh, this has the lowest rating. Uh, well, it's actually 1% behind Batman v Superman and Rotten Tomatoes. It's, uh, yeah, the lowest on all of them. Although, according to CinemaScore, it's the third worst. <laughs> it's got a B plus on CinemaScore. Batman v Superman only got a B. So, there you go. Uh, do you have anything? I want to talk about soundtrack separately quickly here, but do you have anything to add on the, the box office or the, the critics? No, uh, just uh, if we have a chance, a little bit of talk on the sequel. Yeah, oh, well, I mean, I guess we can lump that in after the soundtrack. I mean, I guess we've touched on a lot of it. I mean, this this soundtrack alone, I I don't even remember what movie it was we were talking about this house, sort of like the 90s. It was all about the movie soundtrack. Like, every movie had to have a soundtrack. It had a song. You know, that's what it is. It kind of fell away for a long period of time. But I think maybe it's slowly coming back um, at this point. And, like... I don't know, and I, I'm trying to find anything, and I can't really find anything in my quick Googling here, but I, I'd like to find a, a more successful soundtrack in recent years than Suicide Squad. I mean, I guess something like 50, oh, yeah. 50 Shades of Grey maybe had a very successful soundtrack. I mean, you know, Straight out of Compton, you would probably say, you know, ones like mm-hmm. that. But, like, I mean... I mean, I'm, you could really count Straight out of Compton. That's more like a greatest hits. Yeah. But, I mean, you've just got to look at the fact that I think a lot of people probably know who maybe avoided this movie because of the reviews and everything, that sort of stuff. You can't avoid the songs. I mean, we we touched on Heathens. Heathens was just such a huge, 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 huge hit. 21 Pilots there. What a great song. Obviously, Sucker for Pain, you know, was such little Wayne. Wiz, I can never say his name. Wiz Khalifa. Imagine Dragons, you know, just and all the other people that are involved in that. Uh, Purple Lamborghini, Skrillex, you know, uh, Rick Ross. Then, obviously, Gangster, as I mentioned. But, I mean, even... 
even just sort of outside the ones that they release, just the the songs that are on this, you know, you don't own me. The sort of the remix there of the old one that he, with Grace and G Easy, uh, and just even sort of the older songs that they use on. Obviously, we said Without Me by Eminem's on this. Fortunate Son, Credence Clearwater Revival. I uh, started a joke, the horrible version of Bohemian Rhapsody by Panic at the Disco. But even the non sort of ones that if you just listen to this soundtrack as a whole, Standing in the Rain is a fantastic song. You know, Medieval Warfare, Wreak Havoc, and the songs that they don't use that aren't on the soundtrack that are used in the movie you know you've, you've got Sympathy for the Devil we touched on Super Freaks in there you know what was that Bond movie that we used that in um Video uh, no, Kill <laughs> D- Dirty Deeds by ACDC as I said Kanye West Black Skinheads in there you know you've got Paranoid by Black Sabbath The White Stripes Seven Eighth Army but... Seven Eighth Army you, you, but, but how sad is it that <laughs> they use Ballroom Blitz in the, the trailers, which was so uh, effective in the trailers, it yes. does not appear in the movie. I know. And, like, the thing that annoys me, I think it's the, uh, yeah, the Honest Trailer where they're like, and it just sounds like someone's changing the dial on a radio station. Like, I love Honest Trailers. I do. That's one thing I look forward to every single week, except they're sort of on a break now because they've got their own Harvey Weinstein. Let's not get into that. But um, I, I just, like... The soundtrack works so well in this movie. Like, it does not sound yeah. out of place. It's just every song fits in perfectly with this film, and it's just so good. The soundtrack, successful. Number one in the US. Number one in Australia. Number one in Canada. Number one in New Zealand. Number one in Russia. Um, and then outside of that, just top tens everywhere else. The only places it did not make top ten are uh, Czech Republic and Hungary. We know all about the Hungarians. Um, and, like, year, end of year, like, was a 10th biggest album in Australia of all year, 2016. The 20th biggest album in the US uh, for 2016. Sold over a million units. was platinum in the US. Gold in Australia and New Zealand. So successful. And again, as you mentioned, the score as a separate note. I downloaded the score after I watched this in the lead up to doing this recap. I haven't stopped listening to it. Similar to Batman v Superman. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Uh, just, I, I just, if you, if you have only seen this movie once... Uh, I, and whatever, like, re- I recommend buying this soundtrack. It is an incredible, it's been a mm-hmm. long time since I've gotten a movie soundtrack and just listened to it nonstop. So I just wanted to talk about it separately. It's an amazing soundtrack. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Anyway, and the sequel, we've got a sequel coming now, which everybody complained about, really. Um, but I mean, it's, I think they've obviously got a bunch of the DCEU films to get to, but it has been announced there will be a sequel. I, do believe it's filming next year, or I think I read. But um, I mean, what would you like to see in a sequel? Would you like to see more? I, I personally would like to see some more tie-ins. Like you know, I'm not saying go all Marvel here and have you know Iron Man as a character like in Spider Man. But like you know, I like sort of the Batman cameos and I like the Flash cameo, Superman cameo. Why not? Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's alive. We know it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'd like to expect out of it. Maybe a better villain? I mean, you know, I'm not that bad, Ben. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm excited for one, though. I think you and I might be the only ones excited for a sequel for this. No, I think that's... Like, the thing is, I think there's a lot of people who are excited for a sequel. It's just they don't feel like they're allowed to speak their mind because <laughs> we just live in this culture where if critics hated it, it must have been terrible. And if it's not Marvel, it must be terrible. I, I know there are a lot of people when this movie came out, there, especially you can always tell what the real reaction is to a movie based on what people were saying on opening weekend. And most people who I saw saw this on opening weekend were like, yeah, that was a great movie. And it's only in the weeks after that where people were like, oh, well, I don't like Suicide Squad because I was told not to. It's not a perfect movie, but 
you can't expect everything to be this massive epic storyline like Logan or Batman v Superman, you know, whether people like it or not, it was a huge story. Sometimes you just have to have, you know, a, a one-off adventure story with some fun characters. And I, I know I've made this comparison before on other episodes for other movies, but I always look for in a movie franchise, not, well, was this the greatest movie ever, but would this get me interested in a franchise based around this character or this setting? And the best example I could ever think about that was when I saw the mask of Zorro, the, uh, Antonio Banderas Zorro movie, mm-hmm. where I, a lot of people were like, whoa, what a great movie. I was like, it was an okay movie, but I would be interested if they made a sequel. And I think the other episode uh, where I'd mentioned this was uh, in reference to a very odd movie, a Matthew McConaughey movie called Sahara, where it's based on a book series. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't really care for the movie, but I'd like to see a franchise around this. That's kind of what I think of this movie. And I, I like this movie a lot more than most people do. But even if you don't like it, if you're willing to admit that there's good characters, if you're willing to admit you like the premise, if you're willing to admit that you like the real world feel that they have, if you're willing to admit you like the soundtrack, there are enough elements there that you, you should be able to say, hey, I'd be interested in a sequel. And if the sequel takes a completely different direction, well, that's what most movies do nowadays, unless you're Avengers Age of Ultron, where you just basically you know go on autopilot like the first one. But I like the way that the Wolverine movies handled it. Each movie was completely different, and even getting... You know, different directors for each one's fun. David Ayer's not signed on to do the... I mean, he had, you know, uh, I guess been in negotiations for it. But instead, they're saying, well, no, you go off and you make this Gotham City Bells movie, which I think will be great. Uh, but the guy who signed on to do the sequel, Gavin O'Connor, that makes me just as excited. Because I don't know if you're familiar with Gavin O'Connor. But uh, he also comes from this background that's uh, you know, kind of like gritty... Uh, military style movies he made one called pride and glory years ago uh that had i think it was colin farrell was in that one uh but he's most well known for doing these feel-good sports stories miracle and then warrior which warrior probably one of my favorite movies within the last 20 years i'd even go as far to say uh so gavin o'connor doing suicide squad 2 i'm very interested in that movie because i think He'll have enough of the same elements that David Ayer brought to it, but he'll probably make it a little bit lighter of a story. It's interesting enough that I want to see a sequel, and I think that's all you really need out of a franchise. So when people are like, no, just end it now, it's the same thing we talked about, JB and I, in the Mummy review episode we had. Who cares if there's some problems with the movie? There's enough interesting elements there that I want to see. I'm willing to give them a chance to see where they'll go with it. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I mean, it's it's interesting sort of, obviously, yeah, I'm reading here Suicide Squad 2, and apparently, you know, as much as he's a dick and we didn't think he would come back, Jared Leto apparently has confirmed that he will be the Joker in Suicide Squad 2, so... There you go. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, that's, I was, the thing I think with the DCEU is that what we've only got, the confirmed films are only what? Obviously, Justice League. Uh, we hope it's confirmed. I mean, that's why we're doing these. It's coming out in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Obviously, you know, Aquaman, Shazam, Wonder Woman 2, Cyber, Cyborg, and Green Lantern Corpse. But all the sort of the ones that have On been... Flash. In, well, these are, they're the ones with release dates. These are, like, when I say that, like, all the other ones here that are happening, that just haven't gotten a release date. You know, we've got apparently Batgirl, The Batman, Flashpoint, Gotham City Sirens, Justice League Dark, Nightwing, Suicide Squad 2, Untitled Black Adam film, Untitled Deadshot film, Untitled Deathstroke film, Untitled Harley Quinn and the Joker film, Untitled yeah. Justice League sequel. Like, there's all of these ones that are happening that just have yeah. been announced. So, well, even just then, as we sort of see in the Suicide Squad uh, universe part, Suicide Squad 2, Deadshot, Harley Quinn and the Joker film. So, we've got three and- even just coming out of this. 
I think people also have to understand there's a difference between a movie has been greenlit and a movie's in development. And those are a bunch of movies in development. Most of them will probably never see the light of day. I think yeah, the Gotham City Bells might see the light of day. Uh, Suicide Squad 2 definitely will. I doubt we're really going to get a Deadshot movie. Um, I'd like to so say I think that. It's, he's better. I would too. But I think he's much more suited to be in Suicide Squad. Uh, and plus, Suicide Squad gives you a great opportunity to change up the roster every single time, just like they do in the comics. And, uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy is a perfect example of, I'm not going to say a missed opportunity, because when you have five characters that really hit with the audience, why throw them out? They kind of introduce a new one in the, the second movie, but I would have liked them to have gone far enough to build a whole team around this, and you could have some interchangeable. You pull them in and out, you know, uh, depending on which movie you're in. And that would be the most fun thing in a sequel is that we can get all these different characters like Black Manta in uh, a sequel or, uh, you know, even throw Deathstroke in there. Like, it's basically just you have to be a DC villain. And the comics are constantly adding, here's a new guy we'll throw into uh, the Suicide Squad. Here's another one we'll throw into it. It's like, there's endless possibilities. So lots of new characters I think would be fun. I'm still hanging out for the Captain Boomerang uh, spinoff, but... Um... Oh, please. Probably with Jenny as the love interest. Oh yeah, fuck Jenny. Um, <laughs> Griggs as the love interest. Yes. <laughs> Get with modern times. DCEU. <laughs> hashtag love is love. Hashtag vote yes. All right. Uh, so we're at to the point where we've got to rate this baby. Um, <laughs> on a bit of a roll here. With this is seventy five percent into it. We've both bought both of them. Um, what are you doing with Suicide Squad? I said I kind of wanted to be fair in these episodes, and I broke that with Man of Steel <laughs> because I just love Man of Steel enough that you know I would have bought it. In all honesty, I bought this movie. I love this movie. I've watched this movie. I can't even count how many times. It's probably at least every couple months I pop on Suicide Squad just for the fun of it. This isn't so much me reviewing it as this is my personal recommendation, but I can see some issues with the second half of this movie. Uh, and... I've also talked to enough people, as I said, a lot of people did love the movie, but I've also, you know, encountered some people like, yeah, you know, it was just okay. I think it's fair to say the movie has some issues. I would give it an extremely wrong, uh, not wrong, extremely strong rent it. Um, Even though I personally bought this movie, I want to be fair and say it's not on the same level with the first two that we reviewed. I was going to say, because I've got your review here for Wonder Woman, technically, because this is when we get to Wonder Woman next week, it's going to be the first time we've actually fully reviewed a movie that you also gave a non-spoiler review to, so whether or yeah. not you'll change that or not. But um, I'm buying this. I, I just enjoy it. I just, I mean, this is, I get a lot of the time I base my bites on, can I just sit down and watch this just for the fun of it and not, you know, have any issues with, oh, I'm bored, or I might, you know, I don't know, text Jenny or something like that. But, like, um <laughs> No one texts Jenny. No one cares about her except when you rescue her. But I just there's just something about this film. I've only seen this film twice, um, so I can tell you how many times I've seen it. But I just I just love it, and I just I enjoyed it so much on the second time around, just with the soundtrack, just so much elements of this. So yeah, I'm three from three in DCU month. Well, we'll buy it. <laughs> I, I just wanted to say I didn't say this on the beginning of the episode because I wanted to see where you'd review it. But I remember when you watched this on a plane and you messaged me as soon as you got off the plane and said, yeah, I finally watched Suicide Squad. I'm like, what did you think of it? You're like, it was all right. Yeah. Well, and you, you basically were taking the position, like you even said, you kind of went into this and maybe you bought into some of the negative policy. Like, yeah, I didn't think this was great. I didn't think this was great. And I kept saying like, yeah, but then this was really cool. And I like this. And I like this. And you're like, and it was probably about 10 minutes later. Like, 
You know, come to think of it, I actually really did enjoy the movie. It's like your opinion changed over the course of a few minutes. Yeah, and that's like again, like I think I agree with your statement that there. I mean, I as I've said the whole time, I can still see things wrong with this, and I'd probably say like. Yeah, out of all the four of them, I can see the most issues with this. I've only seen Wonder Woman once, so I'll be watching that for a second time in the next week. But, I mean, I don't think I came away from Wonder Woman going, oh, yeah, you know, that was okay. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I straight away was like, yeah, Wonder Woman's good. You know, it kind of lived up to what I was expecting it. So I kind of think that this, out of all four of them, like, if I rank them, and we probably will do that when it comes to our Justice League, mm-hmm. uh, you know, preview, I would say this probably would be the bottom of the four. But it's still a strong four that I still would yeah. buy this movie. So, um, and like as you just said, you've got a very high rent. So, and I mean, a high rent is probably more so than some of your other, you know, you would argue maybe probably some of your lower buys. And if we ever do the Marvel ones one day or something like that. Yeah. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm buying it. I, I'm rich when it comes to the DCEU universe. <laughs> DCEU. It's not the DCEU universe, Ben. That's like saying ATM machine, which really gives me the shits. So, uh, <laughs> Pin number. No, it's not pin number or ATM machine. It's just ATM and pin. Just like this is a DCEU. Um, anyway, uh, so that leads us on to Wonder Woman. Um, hashtag me too, because I've seen it. Um, what? That, that had no context into anything. Ben, don't try and make jokes about that at work before, not this time around. Um, I mean, I just said my background of this is I, time recording this, I saw this about three weeks ago for the very first time. So I nearly was going to go into this saying I've never seen it before. But I was literally sitting around my house on a Friday night. My dad's like, oh, Wonder Woman's out. Do you want to watch it? I'm like, all right. So we got Wonder Woman and watched it. And yeah, that was my story with watching Wonder Woman. So I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Uh, I, As I said, I enjoyed it. Um, and I'm looking forward to kind of seeing your sort of viewpoint on it. Because again, as I said, this is going to be the first film on the Oz Network that we have done in a spoiler-free review and that we will be doing as a full recap. I mean, even Spider-Man Homecoming, which we did as a review, is now out, and we haven't rushed out to do that as a review. So I, I think this is kind of, you know, a first of many that we'll eventually go over uh, when it comes to, you know, a lot of these ones. A lot of these films, obviously, that we've seen at the movies, we probably won't do as a full recap, maybe until we do them in some part of month or, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of going to be a little bit different, but... We've finally gotten to the point where here we go, Wonder Woman. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to 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 covering to covering Wonder Woman. Yeah, me too. And this will be fun to cover a movie twice because I think I've referenced in all these episodes some of the things we said about Wonder Woman in our review. Uh, and yeah, I think some of my opinions have changed. I'm not going to say for the better or worse. I just think you pick up on new things when you watch it a second time. And I'll be going to this watching it a third time uh, when we cover it next week. But I can, I can honestly say when I did the review and most of it still stands today, like I love this movie and I think it's totally unique and I think it's important to recognize, and this is what I'll spend a lot of time on, the different uh, feel that I think a female director did bring to this movie. And I'm not one of these ones who's like, we need to give you know more women directing jobs. Well, it depends on the movie they're making and it depends on the type of director they are. I can think of tons of female directors that really shouldn't be given giant franchises. But what Patty Jenkins did was incredible because she presented a female superhero in a way that I don't think a man would have presented. And it was done subtly. And all the things that we complain about in these movies, yeah, we're going to make ourselves you know the bad guys to women out there. But we complain about them forcing these strong female characters down your throat instead of just taking with some subtlety. 
And I think Wonder Woman has that subtlety. And there's just so many good things about this movie. And it's unfortunate that a movie that got this much praise, that there's now people out there who are trying to say, like, it was a terrible movie just because they want to, you know, jump on the Marvel bandwagon some more. But, like, I don't think anybody's buying that. I mean, this is the first superhero movie we've had since probably The Dark Knight, where there are like real campaigns being done to get this some Oscar nominations. Not that I'm saying Gal Gadot should win best actress, but this is a near Oscar worthy movie on some levels. And it'll be interesting to see what happens in a few months, but next week's going to be a fun one. Cause uh, we get to have a little bit of fun too. It's not so dark and dreary on wonder woman and Robin Wright's in it. So just, I'm happy for that. There you go. <laughs> I thought there'd Doug be more Stamper. of a reaction to that. <laughs> Claire, it's yeah. We're slowly. Lex Luthor was in Superman Returns. We got the whole House of Cards crew here. It's. I mean, it's. It's really is. Um, like, like um, Claire Underwood is one of my favorite characters in the history of TV. So, and I love Robin Wright. And she was Jenny from the Good Jenny. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she wasn't really good. She kind of screwed with Forrest Gump, but. Um, <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> More memorable Jenny from movies than Jenny from the DCEU. We're talking Jenny from the Forrest Gump EU. Um, that could be a thing. <laughs> the Forrest Gump Extended Universe. Um, anyway, uh, we hope you enjoyed. This is our shortest one, but uh, we still went over the three-hour mark, which I guess is a standard recap for us, not over the four-hour mark this time around. Uh, if you are enjoying DC Month uh, and you missed any of our previous ones, of course, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman are available. Wonder Woman next week, of course. Um, like, subscribe, comment, all the usual channels. iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, whilst you're there, feedback, comments would be appreciated. Like us on Facebook. And uh, we are also available on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, all the social medias that the kids are doing these days, uh, except for, um, what's that stupid one, Tumblr. I don't, I've never gotten Tumblr. <laughs> Have you gotten Tumblr? Isn't that where just people post GIFs of things? Like, ah, oh, I love yeah. him. He's hot. Total. Like time. a 14-year-old <laughs> I'm girl. sure Jamie loves him. 14-year-old. Well, I mean, she probably does. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to continuing on with this as we move through a very busy period of 2017 uh, with some very big movies coming out in the meantime. Uh, my name is Ben, and uh, I want to kill you, Colin, and then I'm going to go clear your browsing history. And my name is Colin, and he married me. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.